Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. Yeah, I see that story all over the newspapers this morning and it's on the news there at 9 o'clock of the older people and they're worried about the increase in the number of cases in older people over the last couple of weeks. They were confident enough for most of the summer that it was just young people, mostly young people, who are getting coronavirus. Now it seems to be moving into the older people again. Isn't that what Dr. Hodcroft was saying to us the other morning, Emma Hodcroft, the virus hunter, when she was on with me the other morning, she said that when you have such a number of cases in young people, it's almost inevitable that it will find its way into the vulnerable groups after a period of time. You see, you'll hear it here first on the opinion line. 1850-715-996. Text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. The email for the show is opinion at 96fm.ie. Twitter is at opinion line 96 with the hashtag OL96. Of course, you can contact us always through Facebook. Best to messages and put your message for the attention of the opinion line. I want to go straight to Anna. And Anna emailed us in the last couple of days over a housing problem. Now, we've said this before and we'll say it again. Before the pandemic, we regularly had almost entire mornings devoted to homelessness. And realistically, we could fill weeks on end talking about nothing. But it kind of died off during the pandemic. People didn't talk about it now. We're talking about it again. And, and Anna, yours is typical of many emails that we have received. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Now, how long are yourself and your husband living in emergency accommodation? Um, two and a half years, from March 2018. Okay. And, and you're in a hotel, I take it? We are in the hostel. In a hostel, okay. Mm-hmm. Do you have children? No, 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 we don't. I was miscarried many times, so unfortunately we don't have it. I'm sorry to hear that. So you've been trying, obviously, to get get a house from the council. Tell me your story. Okay, so our story began 15 years ago when we came to Ireland. We was renting a lovely apartment. Actually, we... um, uh, We make some of the renovation. We had a lovely landlord, but... Unfortunately, he lost the houses because of the crisis. I think it was on 2008. So a few years later, he lost the houses. When the new landlord get the house, he saw that the um, uh, that um, standard and everything is it's too big for the price which we was paying. So uh, I can understand him. He would like to 
get more money. So we get determination. So we have to move out. We were looking for a house everywhere because we are on the housing list. We can get the HAP payments as well, so which will support us and will help us because the prices are really, really big. So um, we were trying to find a house everywhere. Yeah. Uh, in the Cork, in the very close to the Cork, because like we are working in the Cork, uh, we have the friends here. We have uh, we have everything. Our center of interest is it's really in Cork, yeah. but we couldn't find. We won't. We wasn't able to pay one thousand five hundred or even one thousand six hundred, because then it will take all of our money. So I I go to the city hall, and uh, then when I was uh, actually when I start to be a homeless um, on. It was oh my gosh! Let me tell you. It was on October 2018. Okay. The lady from the council she showed us a house. Uh, it was a horrible house. It was mold, unprotected electrical cables. Um, there were like the, the there was a leaking on the walls. Um, Oh my gosh! There was no cabinets. Kitchen was on the end of the toilet. Uh, actually, on the end of kitchen was the toilet. When did they uh, offer you this? It was 2018. That lady showed us this house and she says, I can refuse it if I don't like it. So we write the letter to the council that because that in this house is not even minimum, uh, minimum standard. That was the house for the hub. It wasn't minimum standard. So we said that we, we are not able even to accept it because there is too much mold if the landlord will do any renovation. But the landlord says, no, he's not. Okay. So then on the November, the same year, 2018, the same lady, she rang me that she have another offer to me. And she get the appointment. It was the corner of the Shandon Street and um, George Street. So we was waiting there for her 45 minutes. She never came. She never called us back. She never replied to me. I was making phone calls into her. I have only her um, office number. So I rang her a few times. She never called me back. And then she asked me to visit her in the um, uh, city hall to sign the two refusal forms because she says I refused the, the first house and the second one when she never came. She never showed me. Yeah. So I'm looking I, at photographs here that you sent on to us. The, yeah, the last, the, last four, four or six, the last six photographs are from the first house. Broken it, tiles, broken radiators, yeah. leaks, uh, broken electric, electrical fitting there. That could be very dangerous. Damp mould is yeah. very dangerous. Look at the windows. I can... On the windows, even that window was closed. I couldn't. I, I can uh, put my finger outside the outside the house. So yeah. when I asked that lady, could the landlord? It was here. It was um on the give me two second on the twenty fifth of August. That that pictures which you're looking looking at now, it was on the twenty fifth of August. Twenty fifth of August this year, Anna. This year, this okay. year, two week ago, two couple weeks of ago. weeks ago, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, and she showed us that house, and when I asked her, I, actually I told her there is so many issues, so could landlord fix that? Could he repaint the walls? Could he check the roof? Because there was a, there's like a leaking spot on the roof. She says, there is no issue. I said, yes, there are some of the issues. So she told me I can fix it on my own. And I said, but I have no money to do that. Yeah. I'm not going to fix anything for the landlord, for the hub, because after two years, he, I will get the notice to move out again, or he will increase my rent. And he would like to get 1100 for this one. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking here now. There's at least, in the photographs that you sent us, I have them in front of me here, mm -hmm. there's a broken tile which could give you a very nasty foot injury. 
There's Especially that the broken tile was before the step. There is a big step yeah. down into the kitchen. Yeah. Then there's a broken radiator which could leak quite easily. Yeah. Then there's that dreadful electrical fitting, which is effectively a light fitting where the pendant, as they call it, mm-hmm. has fallen out of the ceiling and the leaves are, are hanging bare. That's very dangerous. And then there's mold coming up to a bad, there's a bad seal between the mm-hmm. tiles on the wall and it's alive with mold and now, the council wanted you to take that. Yes. They said, if I'm not going to take this, um, they, I, I'm, I'm not be able to stay in emergency accommodation. And on the Monday, because that was the 25th, on the 25th, I get the email um, from the council that I have a one week to move out from the hostel. They so because you won't take this, with the photographs you've told, because yeah. you won't take this... They want to throw you out of the emergency accommodation. Yes. They told me there is minimum standard. There is no issues with this house. There is minimum standard. I even find the regulation, um, the housing standards for rented houses regulation. So there is many, many issues which are not fitting with those standards. So I was confused. So I asked them, listen, guys, I'm not able to find a house in one week time, even that we are looking for every day. We are checking every day the, the um, website. I'm checking all of the letting agencies. Yeah, yeah. So now, yeah. before people ask, like you, you are working and so is your yes. husband. You have money. You're able to pay an amount of rent, not a whole lot, obviously. You need the help Mm -hmm. of the HAP and things like that. Like, you're not looking for a free house here. You want to pay. But Mm -hmm. I'll be very honest with you, Anna, and I'm looking at these photographs that you sent me, and and, and I wouldn't like a daughter of mine to be paying for those conditions. Yeah, so but the people, they don't mind. You know, what I'm saying is I know they they would like to make success because there are so many homeless people. They would like to give maybe for the homeless people something. But to be honest with you, if the landlord will do the renovation, if he will fix all of the issues, I will have no problem to move them. Even did you look at the garden, the, there was a 70 centimeters for two meters, I think so, without um, the drainage for the, for the water from the pipes. So if, the, if, it's, um, if it's raining, the water is flooding the... Yeah. Lovely garden. I'm looking at that. I'm looking at that, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, those conditions. And there's no engineer would walk through that no. house and tell when you this we, is okay. Yeah, I visit I visit the um, uh, homeless uh, allocation unit with the independent engineer. And we ask them to, can, can they just show us the house because the engineer would like to look at that. So then he, he can give the correct answer the decision. Is that house have a minimum standard or not? They refuse us. They said no. So it's really sad, you know, because I know the the people they they doesn't deserve to live like that, and nobody should ask us to make the renovation for the pri- private landlords because they think it's their job. They have to do that, and then I will be like, to be honest with you, I will be able to pay more, like even that one thousand one hundred. I don't want to get the house for free. I wish to pay the rent because I always was paying the rent. I I never been a uh, missed any rent or not that doesn't yeah. pay on, on time. Yeah, but you but want you want a place you want a place that is safe and and that doesn't have electrical safe. wires hanging exactly. out and leaks and and mold. Tell you you run your own business uh, among all of this and tell me small about it. Business. Yeah, I have small business. I was opened it on 2016. It was before 
I was homeless, so I didn't expect that I'm going to be homeless. And to be honest with you, when I was opening, I, I used all of my savings, of all of my money, which we have it. Was it a little coffee open. shop or something, was it? It is a small coffee shop, yes. Right. Yeah, we are doing the cakes, birthday cakes, so everything. And... Uh, like like I said, we use all of our money, all all of all of our savings to to do that. So because we didn't expect that we have to move out from the previous house, and at the moment, like the business is not yet running so good. So I have a uh, thousand and millions per day. I, I wish to have it, of course. Yeah. But I think like, I know your little business. It's up on Evergreen Road. It's it's, it's on Evergreen yeah. Road. Yeah. yeah, I know the little place. Yeah, yeah. And you're, it's called A and M Sweet Dreams Factory. And here you are yeah. trying to run your own business, paying your taxes, doing what you're yeah. supposed to do, and then you just need a little bit of help uh, through the system. And and the, and the council want to send you into this dump because mm-hmm. that's what it is. And, yeah. and and then because you won't accept it because you have a little bit of respect for yourself and your own safety. Mm-hmm. They threaten to chuck you out of a hotel or yes. a hostel. Yes, I have only five days, so I don't know where where we will go because yeah. we cannot find any. Still, cannot find anything. Now, there's just I, the two of you. So, what do you need? An, an apartment or a house or what? Uh, what I need, to be honest with you, I wish to have an even smaller house with a small garden because I'm suffering with the depression from few years because of my miscarriages. And now my depression is just a little bit, um, it's, it's a little bit worse because all of the situation of course, of, of course. with the council. So I, I, I was thinking like even something small with this, it doesn't have to be big one, like, but small garden, like it, where I can go after the work, I can rest because I'm working really hard. I, know, I have a really I hard job. And so something yeah. else that you mentioned was that you've been to see other places, but yes. the minute that you say you have HAP, nobody wants to know. Yes, exactly. Like, usually the landlords are very nice. When we spoke with them and we not mention about the hub, they are, uh, they are calling us back and they says, guys, uh, the landlord would like to sign the agreement and everything. But I'm not, I'm not on the position to lie of those people. I would like to be fair because I don't want to start my new life from lying. So usually I'm asking, like, listen, guys, will you accept the hub? And they're telling me, oh, yes, yes, the landlord is accepting the hub, but we have to tell him that. So he has few many, uh, he has few people with who he would like to talk as well. So we will call you back and nobody's call us back. If we are not mentioned about the hub, it's fine. They are call us back. But like, I'm not, I won't be able to pay that huge amount of of, of I know, rent. I know. Well, you know, Anna, I'm, I'm very glad that you, you got on to us. Uh, we, we asked City Hall a few questions uh, on behalf of yourself and, and others. Um, I really do hope you find something. You're looking for a small house or small house. Yes. With a, gar- a small house with a little garden, you know, somewhere that is acceptable. As I said, I have the photographs here on my phone and... Uh, if if you were a friend or daughter or cousin or sister of mine, I certainly wouldn't want you paying out money for that. Mm-hmm. It's dreadful. It's absolutely dreadful. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, I wish you luck. I wish you luck and a lot of calls coming in about you. All right. Okay, thank you. So can I say something more? Just uh, one thing. Um, I was trying to find uh, help with uh, some of the people, like the people, um, like the counsellors, um, with the um, uh, senators and everybody, I was sent many emails. So only Councillor Pody Dinin and Michal Martin office was interested in my case, and only those people 
gave me a hand. So P- those is very are... near to you there in, in Turner's Cross and Michal Martin has an office there. Just one question people are asking. Michal like, Martin, yeah, he's my neighbour on the yes, other side of the street. He is. Mm-hmm. Would you go outside the city if you had to? I have no choice. Yeah. Yeah. So... I have no choice. Like they, they are not giving a choice to select the houses or refuse the houses because if we are not taking or if they tell us like they have a nice house for us, we are getting an emails that they are advise us to not refuse this offer because we won't be any more able to be homeless to get the ho- to use the homeless service. So they're not gonna um, pay us for our um, uh, accommodation, emergency accommodation. So mm. we will go on the street. Okay. All right. Well, we don't. No, none of us want to see that happen. Anna, thank you very much, and uh, continued success with uh, your little business, which is just there in Evergreen Road, the A and M Sweet Dreams Factory. Thanks, Anna, and good luck. And we'll stay in touch. If they should, uh, the problem is people won't move out of the out the country. They want to be living in the city next to their friends and family. Says a caller. Well, you just heard her there, caller. She she says she's no choice. She'll move out if she has to. The council can't be footing houses for 1500 a month. There's plenty of houses out the country. Can't they work out the country? Why can't she organise a lift for herself? It's the same in Dublin. The landlords won't take HAP because they're not registered. Paula says if that woman is working, they deserve help. Well, she is working. She's running her own business, working full-time, and her husband works as well. Morris says you have to listen to this and put it in the context of all the void houses that the council won't let out because they're not perfect. Anyone can give examples of a house that's been vacant for months, in some cases a year or more. Then at the same time, the same council is placing people in accommodation that is clearly way below the standard of the voids. And Roxanne, I just heard Anna on the radio. I can relate. I've been looking for a house for years. I've only refused one property in Mayfield because I'm a single mother of three and it wasn't safe for me and the kids. After I refused, they put down on my file that I refused Two properties, which I didn't, but thank God now I have been housed. I understand Anna, and I hope she gets sorted. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Robert was listening to Anna's story. Brings me back to when I was homeless last year with my two children. The council did something similar to us. They tried to force me and my kids to take a flat in Blackpool. There was mouldy furniture, two absolutely tiny rooms. The place was full of drugs. It wasn't safe for the children. There was even signs on the property's doors saying the landlord is aware there's drugs being used in the hallway. I refused the HAP property as I couldn't live in those conditions with my kids. And the day I said no, they threw us out of our emergency accommodation. Just because people are homeless doesn't mean they should be thrown into places that aren't safe or suitable to live in. And as I said, the photographs that Anna sent us, if she was my sister or if she was my cousin or she was my friend or my daughter I would say do not be shelling out money for that place, it's falling apart and it's dangerous, there's an electrical fitting hanging out of the ceiling, there are broken tiles you'd reef yourself on the tiles it's dangerous and there's leaking radiators tied up with masking tape, ask yourself would you live there, if you would or you wouldn't, then why would you expect anybody else to live there just because their situation is urgent? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette, now at the Junction Vickers Road. Open every day to save you time and money. Self-service laundry.ie. Cork.
Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Hi, it's Elmerie. Each week we bring you the latest news from our vibrant and creative communities all around Cork. Whether it's tips for the best live gigs online, new initiatives from Cork's writers and musicians, join Elmerie Mall and Connor Tallon as we work to support and keep the arts alive in Cork. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes Cork. Fresh, flowery and full of taste. It's at the root of what we do. On Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96 FM. Just in case anyone should misinterpret what people are saying here, that because Anna has her own business and she's working, she deserves help more than anybody else. That, that shouldn't be taken into any account. It's just she has a business, she's working hard up there in Evergreen Road, and this is what she's trying to deal with. And the council have given them five days to quit where they're currently living in emergency accommodation because she won't accept the dump that they've asked them to, that, that the council wants her to take. Uh, our old friend Katrina Toomey's down at Penny Dinners. Katrina, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. You wouldn't ask anybody to go in to those conditions. Dangerous electrical sockets, radiators that could burst and leak, broken tiles you'd open your foot on. And yet the council want people to take it. You know, it's a very difficult situation and I suppose we have to go back to the root cause of all of this. The government need to be plowing extra money into the to the city councils and the county councils. But another thing we have to look at here is who owns that house mm. and who's allowed to rent that house. Mm. They're the questions we should be asking. And they're the questions that, that everybody should be saying. You know, if you have a house, the majority of landlords are really very good people and they're fine people to deal with for tenants and everything. And you know that because when tenants leave, they get references and and stuff so it, it, it works kind of both ways but then there are the landlords that are the landlords from hell and these people just shouldn't be allowed to operate maybe there's a they question you could answer for me Katrina you know the situation with HAP um, and that's yeah. that's money in, in the landlord's account it's, it's guaranteed yeah. cash is there Absolutely. a system or a procedure under which the house must pass an inspection before the, it's approved for HAP well, okay, there should definitely be one in place, a strong one, you know, and a one that kind of ticks off all the boxes, electrical, etc., etc. And as you say, rats hanging off the wall and put up with other stuff. You know, these things should be just a no. So there should definitely be any landlord, but it doesn't matter whether, it, whether they register for HAP or not. Anybody that rents their house should be willing to have their house inspected before a tenant moves in there. And, and a safety level, etc., etc. When the council themselves give out houses or when they build themselves a house, they all have to go through certain ratings and, and to be examined and, and fit for purpose. So it's the same where landlords are concerned. And 99% of the landlords will have no problem with their homes being checked because they do give out, you know, some fabulous property. But with the HAP, there's a huge amount going kind of wrong with the HAP at the minute. Landlords are refusing to take the HAP. Yeah. And people can't get property there is not an, um, enough property for the amount of people that are looking so we, we you know i suppose the government has to be looking at if landlords have property and they want to rent it and um work out a system that makes it easy for the landlords as well what are the landlords that won't take cap afraid of are they afraid of being taxed what is it 
you know, so like the, the government will have to look at that because if they have property and it's idle and, you know, you get some people saying they're just looking for professionals, but a, a home has to be a home. Be and safe, it has to be made available you. and safe, very, very safe. And it has to be in a, you know, in a good, you know, in reasonably good condition or if not tip-top shape. But like, and I've seen houses that are in great condition that people are living in and they're happy that they love their homes. But I've seen other houses which are just simple, basic and kind of falling apart and people are expected to move into one. We went to one in Water Lane about two years ago to have a look at it and we just gagged, gone in the door. Yeah. Literally, and somebody you know, was expected to move into that. The landlord, you know, was giving her the key and was charging her something like a thousand euros for, you know, you could, I'm tall enough, I stood in the front room, my head would nearly go into the bedroom, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and it was, um, oh, just a minute we went in the door, it was just literally, he didn't even put a cloth with the cleanest. Mm, dreadful. So when people say like that they're being offered property that are that's in very bad condition, they are because we've actually seen it. Yeah. But the council are very good then as well and the standard of property that they're, they're giving out now is really of a high standard. And they have homes that they're putting back out there, you know, that, that, that people have left. And oh they're yeah, they're doing some fantastic work. There. In fairness, oh, but but this this no, but still yeah. expecting someone to go into this and threatening to put them out of where they're currently yeah. accommodating them if they won't go into these dangerous conditions. That's not good enough, Katrina. It's, it's definitely not good enough, and I think the council will look. We'll look at it, um, you know, they'd be compassionate around this, like, because even nobody in the council will want anybody to move into a, yeah. atrocious conditions like that. And that's something we have to stop. Yeah. And that's something that they should have the power to stop as well. That if a landlord comes forward with something like that, they, 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 that the council should say to them, no, we're not taking that property into our system yeah. and you are not going to be allowed rented anywhere at all at all yeah, not that, even that, privately that kind of regulation of the of it. doesn't yeah, seem to be it, there doesn't yeah, seem. Katrina, it in there and be strict on it yeah, yeah. before I let you go two quick questions I know you're headed off to, to another engagement at 10 o'clock um, first of all are you open yet below in, in the premises are you able to take people back in yet or is it no. still takeaway no? no no we're not because our, you know our premises are small PJ and like we've spoken to a lot of people that used to come in and they're quite happy to come and take their dinner away because they want to be safe themselves and keep themselves safe. And they're very appreciative of what we're doing for them. We're still giving them the same food and they take it away. Yeah. And they can come all day now and if they want to come back for more tea and sandwiches, they do that and, and stuff. We, we kind of compensate in a way for people not being able to come in. Yeah. It, it's very, very difficult, but the thing is, like, we're inside there at the minute, we're just a streamlined um, crew of volunteers inside and we have one of those temperature machines that raise constantly going around no better a boy. You, you, must no be better very, boy. you must be very worried, Katrina, heading into autumn and winter for the oh, people yeah, that because, you look after. You know, yeah, we, we have a lot of... Do you know what, PJ? The one thing that I saw throughout the whole lot of this was bewilderment. The people that are living on their own and they were coming down to us were so scared because they couldn't come understand the information that was being given out and there was conflicting information being given out as well and people were you know there was the word of mouth as well and people were were talking so it, it kind of it, it, no there's a lot of mental health issues 
that may have been under the surface but that have come to the fore now and we can actually visibly see it and this is what we're worried about with the long hard winter ahead of us what are people going to do the people that are rough sleeping at the minute it's cruel it's downright cruel and we're going to have to I suppose all get together and look at that and have some place where people like that can go and I keep going back and I keep on saying and I'm going to push very very hard for separate units for you know age appropriate like young boys together in one place, young girls in another unit, smaller units and put them in there, you know, according to their age and stuff. No point in having like an 18 year old boy in with a 60, 70 year old man, mm. even 40, 50 year olds. Like they're still kids at that age. I know if you, if you go around the streets at night and if you see them, the majority of them before it was kind of oldish or older people you know, or it could be people in their 30s, 40s, but we're talking about teenagers now, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, yeah. that's it. And that's very, 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 very hard to see. And they have no hope. They have no hope out of it or anything like that. It's nothing that's happening for them. Yeah. And what happens then is they just become, I suppose, seasoned to it. Yeah. And they're sitting there, they're accepting their fate. But it's not very easy to look at. And the amount of women that we see is something else as well. Yeah. It's just... And, it, it, it didn't go away when the pandemic hit. It just went off the, the headlines, I think, is the best way to... to, to it it to, did. To, it went off the headlines. No, we saw it because we were out every night and we saw it. And what we saw tore through us. And I suppose that's something like that we had to readjust to, you know, the fact like that we we were out late at night and then we'd go back and do a sweep of the city again just to make sure that everybody was okay and that they didn't die. We had a space and that broke our hearts. Broke everybody's heart, really. But, but you, you know, we need to work together because just us at Penny Dinners can't, you know, solve this problem. But we do need to be working together to get a solution. And people are going to die again on our streets and we're going to have younger people. Their lives are worth it. You know, I, I know you were talking to Tommy Long made a great point. He, he said that, um, you know, there is no hopeless case out there, you know, yeah. that, that we can't deal with. No, no, but nobody can. is beyond hope if, if it's no. given to them. Katrina, no. I'll leave it there because I know you're headed away. Thanks as always uh, for your contribution. That's Katrina Toomey from Cork Penny Dinners. Always good to talk to you and hopefully someday soon we'll be able to go back into that wonderful premises to visit you and, and the work that you do. But they're still operating on a takeaway service down there in uh, Little Hanover Street with their crew inside doing all the cooking. But it's been a bit too risky now since the middle of March to take people in. And she's very worried what will happen to the homeless people around the city heading into autumn and winter. 185715996. Tom says, PJ, we're unhappy. We've been inspected by the council. In fact, we have a follow-up inspection next week. Michael says, caller has a brother living in... Michael is the caller. Has a brother living in McDermott Place in Balafahan. Council owned a bungalow idle for two years. There's another house idle in Horgan's Buildings for over two years. Uh, Dee says, I hope Anna gets sorted. 20 years ago, I found myself in a similar situation. My crime was, like many, I got pregnant out of wedlock. I had rats out the back, I had weeds growing in the window. The property was owned by a solicitor. Why should this lady be penalised by wanting to make a good life? Council and the government we have in 2020 is a disgrace. We need more help. Mick says, 
a HAP, Councillor McNugent, a HAP property is supposed to pass an inspection within eight months, but it doesn't always get done in that time. Well, I tell you now, Mick, at the moment, at the moment, there's a little bit of work being done in Coogan Towers. So we're dealing with an engineer. And I'll tell you one thing, engineers are very exacting people. They want things done a particular way and you have to do it a particular way because they won't approve the work unless it's done a particular way. Any engineer walking through that place that uh, Anna is expected to take would just run screaming out the door. Fact. 1850-715-996. Hi, PJ, my house is not insulated. It's freezing. All the fascia and piping from around the top for water have fallen down. And there's holes in the wood that birds and rats go through. My heart is broken. I'm sick of complaining to City Hall. I also met them last year and gave them photos. They sent out a man with an iPad and I heard no more. I stopped paying my rent in March and told them as soon as I have enough, I'll get it done myself. And I sent in the receipt and then they can take me to any court and I'll explain and I'll show the records of the contact and the meetings I've had. 1857-15996. Shirley has contacted us with a customer service nightmare. She's not getting any. Next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Junction, Vickers Road, Supermarket, Solid Fuel Depot and a self-service laundrette. Your one-stop for everything. The Quartz 96FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100-euro shopping voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Join the Quartz 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or C96FM.ie. This is Court's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Court's 96FM. I had a call from someone who says they're a private landlord with a few houses. Uh, if you gave me diamonds, I wouldn't let out to the HAP scheme again. The amount of damage and cheek I got from the one I took in was totally stressful and not worth it. It took me two months to get the place habitable again to never again. Well, you had a bad experience. Not everyone's like that. 1850-715-996. Shirley's in passage. Shirley, I got some screenshots this morning of your interactions, shall we say, with Vodafone, which have gotten to a point where you're tearing your hair out. Start at the start. What happened? Good morning. Hiya. Um, when it started in March, I went onto the Vodafone website to look for I was going to buy a new phone and it said I was entitled to an upgrade. So I picked out a phone and I was on the chat to some man, I don't know what his name was, and he, I said it was an A51 phone. So he said, okay. So I said, I wanted that. What, what did I have to do and whatever else? So he said, look, he said, we'll sign you up, he said, for 35 euros a month on a contract with it. It was a free phone. So I said, fine. So then I said, look, will I be able to get a cover for this because I need to have a cover for the phone? So he said, look, he said, I'll show it. And he said, I'll give you a free cover. So I said, that's perfect. So I'll be talking away. And then it was just like 35 euros a month. And I said, that's no problem. So he said, I need your bank details. So I said, grand. So I have internet banking. So I came out of the chat to get my bank details. Little did I know I wouldn't be put back into the same chat. 
Oops. So I had to start a new chat. Right. So I started the new chat anyway, and this fella, no, my friend was sitting beside me. She's still here. She's here now at the moment. She was here beside me, and I said it, I, your man, I said, I have, I was just speaking to someone. I said, he needed my bank details. I came out of the chat. He said, that's no problem. What was, what was going on? So I told him. So he said, there's no way, he said, that, that you were offered a free phone cover, he said, because we don't even have free, co- we don't have those covers. So I, I was looking at her. She put me up and said, oh my God. I said, are you, you calling me a liar? So he said, no, I'm not calling you a liar. He said, but we don't have them. So we can't give them to you. So he said, and that phone is 50 euros. And I said, well, I was told it was free. So he went away talking to someone and he came back and he said, look, we'll give you the phone for free. I said, fine. So the phone arrived the 20th of March. The 21st of March, I was back onto them. The phone wasn't working. I couldn't even want to go over there to ring me now. The phone didn't even ring. I didn't hear it. It just came up as a number. I guess if you text me, I could get the message five times. I mightn't get it at all. Now, I have the phone charging at 7 o'clock and it's on 5% and it's hopping hot, right? So I got on to them the 21st of March and they said, look, you can't bring it back to the shop because of the pandemic. They closed. They all the Vodafone shops were closed. Yeah. But you are entitled to a phone because you're within 14 days of the purchase. Yeah. So I said, fine. So they said, put it into the box and send it back. So I said, I said, the rubbish came yesterday. I said, the box is gone. So she said, okay. She said, look, the only thing we can do so is we'll send a phone out with a courier and you give them back your old phone. The mm. phone that's broken. They, they do now, that sometimes, they, yeah. Yeah, they put me through to technical support and the girl went through everything and she said, look, there's a fault in that phone. She said, there were some numbers meant to come up or something when she went into some security thing. I have no idea. And they never come up. She said, look, the phone is faulty. I'll put you back to customer service and tell them that the phone is faulty. So that's when they told me to send out the phone. So here I am waiting and waiting for the phone. No sign of the phone. So then I got a bill for 168 euros. Remember now the phone bill was meant to be 35 a month. Yeah. So I came for 168 euros, so I rang him. I said, could you tell me how this is 168 euros? So she said, it's, she went, she said, for starters, just 50 for the handset. I said, no. I said, the handset was free. So she put me on hold and off she went and came back and she said, oh yes, that's right. The next thing the phone went off. I said, here we go now. Now, about 30 times I'm after ringing and every time the phone, when I'm getting somewhere, they're either disconnecting me or the phone is disconnecting me. So anyway, I got back onto her again. So she took, she said, oh, I apologise. We take the 50 off for the phone. That's our mistake. I said, that's fine. I said, where's the rest of the money gone? They said, oh, you went over your data, or not your data, your, in your calls. Mm. I said, what's calls? She said, oh, you've only three calls to Vodafone customers. I said, are you joking me? I said, how do I know who's Vodafone these days? Yes. I said, everyone's 087. You could be meteors, the whole lot. And all this. So she brought it down to 93 euros in the end. So I said, look, this is ridiculous. Where's my phone? My phone's supposed to be on the way and all this. So no, no, no. We don't know nothing about that. You have to get on to somebody else. And everyone I got on to, it was the same situation again. So then I was on to someone on Wednesday and they said, on the chat again now, and they said, you're not entitled to a new phone. I said, hang on a minute now. This I is said, this you week me. now, Charlie. This is Wednesday gone now. Wednesday this week, so six months yeah. later, in other words. Yeah, after ringing a million times in the meantime. This for the text me, he said, you're entitled to a new phone. I said, that's fine. I said, well, am I getting it? And then, I don't know how, a different fellow came on, he said, you're not getting a new phone. <laughs> I said, look up in the chat, he just told me, I'm getting a new phone. Okay, so you can have a new phone and all this, right? And the next thing, he turned around and the chat went again. So I said, do you know what? No, because the chat disappears. 
I started the chat on Friday and there are all the pictures you have in front of you now. Yeah. I screenshotted every message that I got. Now, I told him, I, I contacted the bank and I cancelled my direct debit. I said, you're not getting no more money. I said, you're not providing the service I signed up for. I said, I said your contract is null and void. So they ca- I said, I need to speak to a manager. Yeah. So they kept on, uh, you're in a contract to 2022, you have to pay it. I said, I'm not paying it. I have no intentions of paying it. Now, if you go on to Vodafone Ireland and on Facebook, you will see there's hundreds of people complaining over Vodafone, how bad they've got. Their customer service is absolutely ridiculous. He texts me then one word, uh, I can't even find refined or something he texts me, defined, undefined, sorry, he texts me. And then I text him once and he texts back, I'm concerned for your health. So I said, no, yeah, that's all in those texts in front of you now. Um, yeah. I I was so calm and so cool. No, there was smoke coming out of my ears at home. But while I was talking to them, I didn't open my mouth. I didn't abuse anybody or say nothing. And then the chat went dead. So I got onto their page on Facebook and I left a message. Could a manager contact me, please? So then I went uh, messenger, Vodafone messenger. I said, I need to speak to someone. I've spoken to my solicitor, I said, and I'm going on the radio at half nine in the morning if this isn't resolved. So this girl rang me last night, a uh, lovely girl, actually, about half seven, quarter to eight. And she said, look, I'm um, sorry for what's happened. She said, as courtesy, I will credit your account for 100 euros. I said, you won't credit me? No, nothing. I said, my solicitor is after telling me, except nothing, only a closed contract. So I said, right. I said, I'll accept the 100 euros if you give me the phone I was promised. I said, back in March. I said, you know I was promised it. Well, she said, with the pandemic and she was on about this and you couldn't bring it back. I said, you were sending out a courier. So she said, look, give me 48 hours and I'll be back. I said, no. There's no 48 hours now, I said. It's six months later, I said. I'm on the radio in the morning. It's your choice. You either give me a new phone and credit my account, I said, or I said, I'll be on the radio half as nine. I said, which, I said, they'll probably ring you and you won't answer them either because you don't answer nobody. I have have screenshots in front of me here now, Now, just just for the benefit uh, of listeners. You sent them, you sent quite a number of them and you said, at one, I'm just quoting you, I need to speak to a person about this, a manager, uh, we will update you via text is the reply. Uh, I said, right, no, no, you, I speak, need to speak to a person about this, a manager, let me check, uh, let me check, undefined, get a manager to ring me. I'm sorry you feel this way, however, I'm concerned about your health. That comes twice. Yeah, that's, you see, this is what's happening. And then yeah. you say, what do you want about my health? Yeah. And, and then the cost, same, yeah. Like, why are they questioning your health? I'm telling you now, I, don't, I have no idea. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I had nothing to do with it. I, I was fuming here yesterday. But then when she rang me last night and I said I was going on the radio, my friend was sitting here beside me and I said to her, I said, will you record this conversation, please? So the girl on the phone said, do not record me. I said, you're recording me. Yes. She said, I asked for your permission. I said, listen here now. I said, are you giving me a new phone? I said, and the 100 euros credit on my account. She said, I can't. Do I said, well, I said, look, we'll end the conversation here. I said, I said, the next you'll hear me. I said, is on the radio in the morning. Right. So, and I hung up the phone then. No, but it's gone on six months. It and could be 10. Still nothing. You haven't heard from them this morning. Or nothing. Anything. But PJ, I don't want to hear from them. I I'm, I am, I'm after stopping direct debit. I don't want the phone now. I, I'm never going to go near Vodafone. 30 years I'm with them. All my family, most of my friends are with them. And I never again, yeah. I, I'll go to jail 
before they get but, another but penny this, out of but me. But this thing here, I'm concerned about your health. Like, what's I mean, how that about? That? What's that about? Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Oh, I said to her then, I said, I want that man fired. I said, for what he said to me. I said, for all he knew, I could have had health issues. Very bad health issues. To say things like that. He'll be dealt with appropriately. I said, he will, like I was, I said. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's infuriating to get that kind of a thing on a on a on oh, a text message. Not to even give me a chance to, to reply. He cut off the chat. And that was it. I couldn't even reply to him. So that brings us to today. You the phone you have, the phone I'm talking to you on, is that the phone? This is the phone now it's charged since seven o'clock this morning and it's now on eight percent and I have to hold it away from my face because it's happened. And as you see the messages there now coming through twice. Three times. Yeah. Deirdre rang me this morning. My friend was sitting there. She'd tell you it, the phone didn't even ring. I've missed more hospital appointments. I can't. I have to bring a power bank with me everywhere I go. Yeah. And this is supposed to be the top of the range phone. And I have to pay 35 euros for a phone cover. Yeah. As well. Do you know? And then, oh yeah, I know I'm only after paying the bill. And this, it's 69 cent over already for text messages. Even though I'm after paying, I have to, I have to pay an extra 5 euros for an extra 200 add-on kind of a thing. Yes. And they're telling me now that I have 99.99% of my data left and then they charge me 69 cents for something. You're, I have no idea what they're You're even having is. a hard time with them, Shirley. Oh, they're a joke. All right. Okay. Listen, <laughs> I'd say have a cup of coffee now. Because there's more than coffee. And, and dr- and I know, but <laughs> listen, I can't endure sentence longer than coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly not five to ten in the morning anyway, I can't. No, no, no. <laughs> but listen, have have a coffee and, and, and draw breath because that's a very frustrating one. Antoinette is saying that you should take those screenshots, particularly the one about questioning your health, and give them to your solicitor. Oh, I have. All of Good. them, yeah. All right. Listen, if you hear any more, get in touch with us again and we'll and keep in contact with us and we'll, we'll follow it with you. But at this stage, you're definitely at the end of your tether. That's Shirley uh, in Passage. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. I love the line from that intensive care doctor. I will be here if you need us, like, but we don't want to see you. <laughs> that kind of sums it up, doesn't it? There's been a crash between a school bus and a car on the main road in Rostellan outside the Pepper Stack. Uh, that's in East Cork, lovely part of East Cork. The road is blocked. Headed towards Middleton, ambulance and Gardaí at the scene. We hope no one's too badly hurt in that one. And thanks for whoever called that one in to us. 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Somebody wants to know, it's a good question this. I wonder what the answer is, although I think it's yes. What's the situation with foreign students this year? Are they here? And they're required to self-isolate before starting school. I presume you mean college. Uh, I presume you mean the students coming in from overseas to go to the likes of UCC and CIT. And a very valuable asset they are to UCC and and CIT. Uh, They are coming in. We had the contact from a UCC staff member. They are coming in, as many of them as they can be. But they are required to self-isolate for two weeks when they get here. Uh, possibly language schools as well. A lot of people come to Cork to learn English. Uh, yes, they are coming and they will be expected to self-isolate, but they'll be with host families. We haven't been able to get anything solid or anyone going to comment on it. I was reading during the summer 
where one of the colleges in Dublin, it might be Trinity, I could be wrong on the exact one, but they were asking their students coming in from overseas to come two weeks early. And they were trying to get some accommodation arrangement in place that they would be able to self-isolate before they start their course. Because you have no idea until you look at it how much money these students are worth to our universities and our third level colleges. They're worth an absolute fortune because particularly uh, people who come from the Asian countries, say, to study medicine and science and those other disciplines, they pay the full whack of the fees. It's very expensive for them to come. They're worth a lot of money to UCC and CIT and all the other colleges. So if they were to lose out on them, it would be a massive financial kick for the colleges. But obviously you don't want anyone coming in that doesn't isolate or quarantine and that the minute they sit in to start a class that they're safe to do so. So that's the plan. That's, that's the situation as we understand it. They are coming in. They are required to isolate. 1850-715-996 Did you see as well, I'll get back to it, where Leo Leo is going back to type Leo is going back to being Leo of the loose lips he, He's speaking out about things In a previous time, I can remember when he was a minister first He kind of either didn't know when to stop talking Or didn't care when he should stop talking And now he's talking out about stuff And I can imagine Michal Martin is going, oh, Leo, shut up, Leo, shut up Actually, that's one of the things I quite like about the man. He doesn't. He just talks, just says it. Anyway, eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Kira, you got on to us about something that you saw in Wilton. Was it yesterday? Good morning. Hello, Kira. Forty uh, yesterday morning in Wilton. Ten forty. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was uh, two vans um, that were stopped heading towards Wilton outside the SB network building. Um, I, I thought maybe he was having a heart attack or something, that there were people coming out to help him. But as my car, like people, cars were stopping, as my car crawled down closer, heading towards uh, the link, heading towards uh, the Kinsale roundabout, I saw that they were, um, they were fighting. They were having a bit of a scrap and uh, the guy in the van behind um, had him in a headlock, forcing him into his own van, and he had a metal bar in his hand. And they were, these, these were men in their mid-40s that were, like, wearing Snickers pants. They are obviously working. But, this is uh, outside the, what, when the ESB yard there? Just outside that, yeah. There's, kind of there's a kind of a, an entrance there you can park your car in, as so you shouldn't, but you can. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're heading towards, like, you know, the, on, on the road heading towards Wilton, heading towards UH there, but there's loads of cars and people were... People were out their cars. People were looking. There was another guy who was on the phone. I presume he was running the guards. Nice. But yeah, he had him in a headlock, and as he as he let, let him out the headlock, and he was shouting at him, I thought he had the metal bar in his hand. Oh God! Yeah, and it's it's something you'd see like in the states on Facebook, you know, road rage. You never see in Wilton. This is twenty um, twenty to eleven in the morning, bright daylight. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, before any coffee. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder did anybody else come across that out by the you know, the ESB place out there in in Wilton in the entrance to uh, two fellas going at one another. Yeah, there was de- there was definitely a lot of more people saw because people were getting out their cars, people were stopped. It was just kind of like your jaw hit the floor type of moment to be seeing that. I genuinely thought he was having like a heart attack or a stroke or something. People were helping him, but no, he was in headlocking. <laughs> he was being shoved back into his own van. And and how did it? How did it? Stop. Uh, I think when your man noticed that there was a good amount of people that were around, he um, kind of like pushed him, shouted at him, and uh, 
he was cursing at him, whatever, and he started walking back to his van. And that's when I made my way onto the link. But um, mm. I'd, love, I'd love to know why it started. Like, did they know each other? Was your man annoying him ahead in the van? Um, was it like further back the road? Like, what what provoked him at that hour of the morning? I'm, I'm sorry for laughing, but like, this no, is two grown men. Like. Yeah, pushing 50. I mean, you wouldn't get that carry on out of 20 year olds. And he had him in a headlock, like, and there were two guys that died last weekend from being put into a chokehold. I mean, do you know where's the cop on there? Like, you know? The Cork motorist movement has tweeted, unfortunately, it's all too common. It particularly impacts vulnerable road users. There needs to be stronger laws and enforcement. Dash cams might be needed for protection at this stage. I'm sure a lot of people wanted to get out and like intervene, but I mean he had like a metal a metal bar and his head was rigged from temper, so no people wanted to get injured either. But I think the guards were called, but I think maybe by the time they had come, that it was after being dispersed. Yeah. Their, we we, we, are, we asked them and we contacted Garda Press, and they say there was no road rage incident. Garda who were on patrol in the area came across two people having words, but but left without incident. So no investigation. With a headlock and a, a metal bar. Okay. Well, perhaps by the time the guards got there, the metal bar had been put back in the back of the van. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I know, it's bizarre. I feel bad for laughing. Yeah. Would you, if the guards did come, would you have given them a statement? If you saw Absolutely. it? Absolutely. It's not the kind of thing you expect to see at 20 to 11 in the morning. No, I mean, being like a couple of years ago, being a learner driver, I mean, definitely you feel the intimidation and people shouting out at you when you're trying to... You know, and actually, now that you mention it, Kira, you're only like three minutes away, less even, from the test centre. So, so exactly. somebody could have been doing their test. I know, and what do you do in that situation? <laughs> yeah. Like, it was two vans. Do you think they might have been colleagues? Did you get any impression they knew each other or whatever? Was it, it was two, don't name anything, no, but it was two vans. No, there was two, two work vans, yeah, but what I heard was when your man shouted, the guy who had the bar, there was some mention of a car. So I don't know, it was a personal or did he do something further back the road and then it just escalated? I'm not sure. And, and without, again, please don't name anything, were the two vans, could you see, were they for the same company or what? No, they weren't. For they weren't. Company. Oh, right, okay. Oh. I think I think they just need to open the pubs and just give these men a pint. I think just to relax. <laughs> oh, Lord. All right, listen, Kira. Thanks very much for that call. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. These is two guys. Uh, you wouldn't come across it very often, I imagine, would you? You've never seen it before, by the way, have you? No, never before. Never before. Never like that before. All right, Kira was telling us there outside. Wilton by the ESB placed there in Wilton yesterday morning. Two lads, two vans, clung on one another. Uh, Twenty to eleven in the day, and Aaron Barr produced at one point. Um, and and you know, for all the people who are calling in about about youngsters, these fellas were in their late forties, possibly fifties. <laughs> and she says, "Open the pubs, let them settle it over a drink." Yeah. The guards just said there was no incident. Uh, patrol guardy came across two people having words, but both left on their merry way. No incident, no investigation. 1850-715-996. Just up and around the corner at CUH, there's a trolley problem. 
again. Remember? That kind of went away during the pandemic, except for the occasional day. Before the pandemic, we were in a critical situation at CUH with regard to trolleys. We're back there again. 1850-715-996. That's next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette. Now at the Junction Vickers Road. Open every day to save you time and money. Selfservicelaundry.ie Due to COVID-19, the big summer concerts are all off. But the biggest stars will still play this summer. One, two, three. The Back Garden Festival. It's a new online station that plays non-stop festival hits from the ultimate superstar lineup. Round the clock every day. The Back Garden Festival with Harvey Norman, your specialist in sound this summer. Get all the lowdown and listen live on the Cork's 96FM app or go to 96FM.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. On the incident that Kira reported, caller says people have now lost all of their patience. You can sense the anger. And we're close to violence. I had an instant yesterday. And the woman involved was like something out of a horror movie. Maybe it's the pandemic, but it's definitely gotten worse over the last year. And then on WhatsApp, people referring to the likes of Kira as nosy baz. Ah, well, come on. I've seen two fellas hopping off each other on the side of the street. I'd pull in myself for a look. So I would. 1850-715-996 The Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation claims that frontline staff at COH are worried for their safety and that of their patients' safety as trolley numbers begin to rise. Yesterday, Cork University Hospital had the highest trolley watch figures in the country at 50. Liam Conway is the union's industrial relations officer. Liam, good morning to you. Good morning. Now, we were Pre-pandemic, we were all too used to trolley situations at COH. We're back there again, 50 people on trolleys. Do you have today's numbers yet? Yeah, I can confirm that there's 38 patients on trolleys in Cork University Hospital today. Again, a very um, high figure, again, posing significant safety concerns for both patients and staff in that environment. And um, where do we rank today? Are we we the worst in in the country today again? Uh, the overall figures will be released shortly okay. in terms of nationally, but um, again, Cork University Hospital will be one of the highest, if not the highest, again okay. this morning. Um, obviously, yesterday was one of the it was the highest figure across the country, fifty patients on trolleys, and then again on Tuesday there was forty three patients on trolleys, and, and this situation is completely unsafe, yeah. um, and it can't be tolerated any further. Remind me again how you calculate that figure every morning. So basically, the figure is calculated um, from patients that are required to be admitted to Cork University Hospital or any emergency department. That is a clinical decision made through the emergency department. Um, this patient that has been, I suppose, counted in, in, in each count um, on a daily basis um, is um, awaiting a bed on a medical or surgical ward. Um, but they're being placed on a trolley because there is no bed available. So each time you see a figure of 50 patients, that's 50 people awaiting a bed in the medical and surgical ward that is simply not available. Yeah, I spoke to a very senior um, member of the 
ED staff a number of years ago, a very senior consultant, and he told me that of one particular day when they had 30-something trolleys in the department, they, he was done and dusted with over 20 of them. He just couldn't get them out of the department. Yeah, and, and that's an, on, an ongoing problem. And I think that the chronic problem here in Cork, and again, as you, as you rightly pointed out, this is an issue that's been going on and on, and it hasn't been dealt with in an appropriate fashion from previous governments. And this current government needs to take urgent action because this is simply uh, not acceptable for both frontline workers who are trying to deliver the, the emergency care that's provided, but also in terms of providing timely and effective and quality care to patients, but also for patients who are, need, are in need of urgent care um, that are now going in, knowingly going into these uh, overcrowded environments. Um, and again, look, it's not even winter here yet. Um, the figure that was recorded yesterday was 50. Um, this, the, that day last year, the 2nd of September 2019, the figure was 39. So even in the pandemic situation, we've seen uh, I suppose a drastic disimprovement in the situation. Yeah. Um, so there really is an urgent response required. And what that is, is additional funding for home care packages. And the go- that is within the government's, I suppose, responsibility, as well as trying to, to address the winter plan. But it really needs to be prioritised both from the government and the HSE yeah. that additional home capacities are put in place, additional bed capacities provided within Cork University Hospital and a workforce plan is put in place. Do we, do um, we like still it, have the crazy situation, Liam, where we have a lot of beds in COH that are either closed because there's not enough staff to open them or are reserved for the patients of private consultants? I suppose in relation to the bed capacity, in the short term, there is renovation works ongoing at the minute in Cork University Hospital that have led to some bed closures, um, which is necessary maintenance, and and these beds will open back up. But the problem, again, which we've seen last year, it's not actually the fact of a simple solution of just increasing beds only in Cork University Hospital. You need to increase bed capacity in the community, in Cork City, for example, in the likes of additional beds in terms of rehab and step-down facilities. So, for example, a prime example of rehab uh, uh, beds in, in Cork City would be St. Finbar's campus, um, where patients are discharged from the likes of Cork University Hospital or the Mercy University Hospital um, for who, who need additional rehab or convalescence. Um, then beds are not available. So you need to increase both bed capacity in Cork University Hospital, but there is a real need to ensure that there's step-down facilities available as well. So people who are not ready to go home who require rehab, um, then the, the rehab facilities are not available. Yeah. And what happens is that the, these individuals are getting their rehab um, inside in Cork University Hospital, which is leading then to a backlog for yeah. people who require admission from the emergency department. Yeah, so, so, so they're in the bed because they need to be in care. They need care, but they're... There's nowhere to, to, to send them for it. Now, as we head into winter, and like you said, the ED always becomes very busy in the winter time, and we'll have a flu problem and we'll have COVID in on top of it. What are your fears? Well, so there's a very serious uh, problem, uh, I suppose, that's now being compounded with COVID-19. I suppose the reality is, of, of the figures that were provided as of the 30th of August, there was 28,808 uh, confirmed cases of COVID-19. Out of that, 30% of the cases were healthcare workers. That's 8,637 8, frontline healthcare workers had contracted COVID-19. Um, so that is a serious, serious problem. While the, the, the I suppose the, the issues in terms of the meat industry is well publicised, um, that figure is not publicised um, readily by the HSC. And, and that is a serious concern for our members who are on the front line 
who are trying to provide um, time, timely and effective and quality care to patients. But when you have these conditions in terms of overcrowded conditions, um, it's just physically impossible to maintain social distancing for both patients who are maybe in waiting areas or in the emergency departments, but staff trying to, to, to provide that care as well. Yeah. And the real concern is that um, with the, the pandemic ongoing, that there, there is a potential for serious consequences in terms of an outbreak yeah. when you have these overcrowded, uh, overcrowded departments. But I must point out as well, the HSE have stated that they would have zero tolerance to overcrowding back in May of 2020 to this union. Um, but very clearly, they are just completely ignoring that. And what we've seen here in Cork in the last number of weeks, and particularly this week, um, is just simply not acceptable. It's completely unsafe. And while we're, I suppose, encouraging um, and maintaining social distance, it's just not possible inside an emergency department um, in the current environment. Yeah, so we're all being told, wash your hands, wear your mask and keep your distance. But if you go into the emergency department with with an injury, a broken ankle or something that you need attention for, you can't possibly social distance inside there. Absolutely. And I suppose the real, the real piece then as well is that staff are doing their absolute utmost inside. Frontline workers have given everything that they can possibly. But the environment that's been created at the minute is physically, I suppose, not suitable to, I suppose, ensure and provide the most effective, timely and quality, quality care. But also, I suppose, to protect the general public and, the, I suppose, public health when you have overcrowded environments. But we must go back to the point. The solution is available. It requires investment and it requires urgent action here in Cork in particular. And that is a government intervention. There is a requirement for significant investment for home care packages to allow people to be discharged in a timely manner and get uh, care and, and services in their home. There also is a requirement for additional funding to provide them additional beds that are desperately needed in Cork University Hospital but also in the community. Um, and the problem has not been addressed. The problem is getting worse. We saw the worst overcrowding we've ever seen um, in January 2020 here in Cork. And like this problem is getting worse. We have the pandemic now. And I suppose the real concern is the public health point. And I yeah. suppose the safety for patients and staff, because this problem, as we know and predictably, will get worse. Yeah, in the next I mean, weeks. certainly looking at it, and Kevin is just after tweeting here, he said, is everything all right in the studio? Why are you replaying a conversation from five years ago, or four years ago, or three, or two? Weren't you talking about this last year? Of course he's right. Of course we've been talking about this, Liam Conway, for a very, very long time. But in the context of where we are now, I think what I'm hearing in your voice is if we go to the usual level of winter chaos it'll get completely unsustainable and the whole thing will fall apart. Well, as we've said yesterday, it is a toxic combination and it is a recipe for disaster um, for all involved, all key stakeholders. And you have to be able to provide a a public health service um, and an efficient service for patients that are entering at the entry point of that service, but also while they're they're experiencing their journey until they're fit to go home or discharge um, to the the residents. Um, But I suppose at at this current climate, the government is pushing for public health guidelines and public adherence to the public health guidance. Um, The very big problem in terms of the cases which I pointed out, if 30% of the the COVID-19 infection rates are frontline healthcare workers, and you now have an environment that is completely unsafe, in normal times, but also now with COVID-19, that this is going to pose a very, very serious concern and has a significant and very high risk 
on top of the risk that you might have increased rates um, of infection, particularly with the increase of um, COVID-19 cases in the community uh, and increase in, in hospital cases as well. So the HSE needs to take urgent action, action on this. But as well, the, the local TDs and the government really need to, I suppose, push for this now that Cork City has been in terms of neglected in terms of additional bed capacity for a long period of time and I suppose over the last three years in particular this problem in Cork University Hospital has been getting worse Um, funding has been sought it hasn't been given additional supports in the community that have been sought have not been given and unless that is put in place what you will have we can safely say is a higher amount of people on trolleys again this year but you also have the very high risk of uh, obviously transmission of COVID-19 within these extremely overcrowded areas and understaffed areas. You could, you could end up, what you're, what you're telling me is you could end up with a serious cluster in our major hospital. Liam, does the INMO have any way of of forcing the HSE's hand other than industrial re- uh, action or what do you have? Well, I can assure you, I suppose, from, from our piece involving representing our members, our members have raised concerns to the union. The union have now raised concerns to management. We request an urgent meeting to address a number of those concerns in Cork University Hospital uh, for next week. In relation to that, if the employer is refusing to provide a safe work environment, there is health and safety legislation there. And also as well, you know, in, in terms of industrial action, all possibilities will be considered because we have to protect frontline workers and we will protect our members um, in relation to that. We cannot tolerate this continuous, uh, I suppose, every, every uh, winter, sleepwalking into overcrowding um, crisis again and, and time and time again. Um, and rightly, as your listener pointed out, uh, you know, is this a, a repeat from last year? But I think, you know, no, we really need to see the wood from the trees. Well, it's it's, it's a repeat with the horrible extra of a pandemic thrown in. There is a thing, and we talked about it a lot in the months of March and April here on the opinion line, the 2005 uh, Protection of Health and Welfare at Work Act, I'm probably making a mess of the name, but you know the one I'm talking to, or talking about. Uh, like, is the INMO willing to take action under that act if something isn't done? Well, absolutely. And I think, look, in terms of it, we will be clearly outlining our concerns to the uh, management within Cork University Hospital surrounding the overcrowding. And I suppose if these measures or additional uh, issues are not resolved, absolutely, I suppose, our our priority is to protect um, our members. Our members' priority is to protect our patients that they care for within Cork University Hospital. Um, And obviously... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I suppose there is the added risk in terms of COVID-19. Uh, again, I point out the amount of staff and frontline workers that have picked up COVID-19, 30% of the overall cases in yeah. the state. That's a huge number, 8,000. We wouldn't think of that. And, you know, the, the ordinary person needs to sit back and draw breath. You wouldn't actually think of this. This is 8,000 nurses, doctors, healthcare workers in general, 8,637 of them. Do you have a breakdown for Cork out of that, Liam? I don't uh, to hand, Peter, but I suppose what I would I suppose clearly point out as well is that while frontline workers appreciate the, the, the general support from obviously from the public and the yeah. government, the time for clapping and applauding frontline workers is gone. You need to give frontline staff the tools to do their job, and that is allowing for additional bed capacity. Whether that is a local management trying to run a service, like for example in Cork University Hospital, if you don't give um, the service, the tools to, I suppose, meet the demand in terms of bed capacity and also as well the tools to address the issue of getting people at home and care in, 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 in their home as well, then what you have is an ineffective system. Um, and that's the problem that has been ongoing for the last number of years in Cork. So really, the, the urgent action is required from the government and from the HSE. But the government really needs to take a step back and because we are sleepwalking into a very, very dangerous environment and as we rightly call it it is a potential for a toxic combination that you will have a very dangerous overcrowded environment in normal times but in the middle of a pandemic um, what you will have then is a real risk of potential cluster outbreaks and uh, which will have a decimated impact both on patients and the workforce in, in these environments. Okay, Liam, I'll leave it there for now. Thank you very much. That's Liam Conway, the Industrial Relations Officer of the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation. And what I'm hearing there uh, is they're going to turn around to the HSE and they're going to say our members have rights under the Health and Welfare and Safety at Work Act of 2005. I'm getting the name of it wrong. That's, you know, the one I'm talking about. And they're going to seek to have those rights vindicated and enforced. If that leads to industrial action, is that what we might be facing? But if you take the usual crowding, overcrowding, that we are blue in the face from talking about here over the years, you throw into that a nice little pandemic. So that's like throwing raw meat into a cage full of rabid dogs, like. It will, it will be carnage. And it's not wrong. And it's not wrong at all. 1850-715-996. Someone says here, all kinds of experts, in inverted commas, have suddenly appeared in recent months. Can any of these highly paid experts have a solution for the never-ending trolley crisis? 1850-715-996. I tell you now, whoever manages that, 
whoever manages to solve the trolley crisis will be president of the world for as long as they want to be. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Junction, Vickers Road, Supermarket, Solid Fuel Depot and a self-service laundrette. Your one-stop for everything. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Visions of an Unsettled Earth is an exhibition exploring ideas of transience and transformation in the environment. It features new and recent works created by Cork County-based artists Debbie Godsell, Fiona Kelly and Sarah O'Flaherty. It's running at Sirius Arts Centre in Cove until October 31st. Access all areas. In 2017, Emma Langford released Quiet Giant, the debut album which paid her way to multiple award nominations. In 2018, she earned the inaugural RTE Radio 1 Folk Award for Best Emerging Artist and she comes to Triscoll Arts Centre on Saturday, September 29th. Access All Areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie. Access All Areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 96 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. Call to there 1850-715-996. Has a lot of experience of being in hospital on trolleys. What are they doing with St. Stephen's in Glenmire? It's empty. There's loads of space there. Couldn't that cater for North Cork at least or for West Waterford? You see, all these simple logical solutions that we've had for years, for some reason they, they never get they never get anywhere past this programme. I've been saying it for donkey's years, and I'll say it again. The worst mistake they ever made was funneling everything into Cork. Everything. We used to have four or five departments around Cork for years. We'd one in Finbars, we'd one in the South Infirmary, we had one long go up in the the, the, the North Infirmary, but that, that's, that's well gone. We used to have one out in Mallow. I drove past Mallow Hospital last weekend, and there's a big sign up there, no emergency department. Why the hell not? Why couldn't Mallow sustain a small ED to take the pressure off? Why does everything have to come funneling in to Cork University Hospital? Just doesn't make sense. 1850 We got a call about this yesterday. A burnt-out car in the Kinvara area in Ballyvalan, uh, which was found there Saturday morning and has since been removed by Cork City Council, but it's raised renewed concerns about joyriding because there's been three of these cars burnt out in the past two weeks. And I won't say we're back to 80s and 90s levels of joyriding, Councillor Kenneth O'Flynn, but it's certainly at a worrying level. Good morning. Well, it, uh, good morning, uh, PJ, and thanks for the call. Um, yeah, it is worrying, actually, PJ. And the one thing I have noticed is there has been an increase in antisocial behaviour. Uh, across the city, both north, south, east and west. Um, yeah, the, the, these three cases has been in my constituency, uh, one in Balavlan and two, two in, in, in the east of the city. Um, there has been an increase. There has been a, a problem with the Dublin Hill area. 
uh, with gyrating and people going into the industrial estate, um, the IDA industrial estate there and gyrating there. I've had lots of reports of that. I've also had a situation where I've had um, reports of, of people gyrating in the Mayfield and the Meyer area as well. Um, so there does seem to be a, a, an increase of it. I suppose it has to do with the fact that everything is closed as well, you know. And as my grandmother used to say, idle hands make the devil's work. Um, but it, look, I think the big problem that we have here is that we don't have, and this comes back to the usual conversation that we have about crime and law and order, we don't have enough guard presence mm. in the suburbs, in the Mayfield, in the Bella Villad, in the Blackpool, in the in the Farnery, in the Blarney, all, all those areas. We're seriously lacking uh, a, a, a visual guard presence. Um, the other thing, Neil, or excuse me, TJ, I have to say to you is, um, like people are ringing me and complaining that you can't get through to Mayfield Guard Station. Mm. Now, and when I speak to the guardie in the area, they're telling me because they have limited resources, a lot of the time the phone isn't answered there because they, they, they also have, they take in people that are um, being put to jail and all this sort of stuff. So there's processing goes, goes on there. And a lot of the time the front desk is, is is attended, but there's not enough people to attend it and phones are are, are being rang out when people are ringing the guardy when there is antisocial behaviour in their area. Yeah. I, so by the time someone actually responds, it's all over? It's, it's all over or it's moved on to another estate or it's moved back. The other thing is that, you know, you send up one guard a car and you have a situation where uh, a group dispersed down another laneway or another another avenue and that, that's happening all over the city. And that's the great difficulty that we have at the moment. It's alarming that there is an increase at the moment. At the moment, there, there's, there is also a coalition or, a co- you know, there's an idea that there's nothing open. All the youth clubs are closed. All the all the the theatres, the concert venues. You can't even go to a match now at the moment. Um, and and you know that that has. But Ken, well Ken, Ken, well, this went know? on when we had all those things open. Well, I can remember, as you mentioned, now the eighties and the nineties, and I can remember when you know my father first got involved in politics and joyriding was a huge problem in the city. Um, and it seemed to it seemed to have died away, but you know it is alarming that this is coming back. That people's cars are being broken into, that they're being taken, and that they're they're they, we we are seeing cars being burned out, uh, and that's that's upsetting. It's alarming, but that has to have we have to have an increase uh, of guard presence, and we have to reinstate respect for people's private property as well. The community guards uh, used to be very useful in that regard, just keeping in touch with the youngsters, but they're kind of gone too, aren't they? They are, you know, they, they, I tell you, you know, most of my, when I started in 11 years ago in local politics, um, you know, there was a community guard they could pick up the phone to and say, look, there's a certain problem in this estate, can we get this patrolled a bit more? Can we possibly get a CCTV unit, uh, a mobile CCTV unit, and, and calm it down and move it on? Um, people were a lot quicker to pick up the phone and ring a mobile number of a community guard and speak to him and say, look, there's a problem down here in the south or there's a problem happening in this estate or there's a problem happening at the end of my road. Um, And, you know, they felt confident about it. it. They didn't feel like they were in a situation where they were informing on people. They didn't feel like they were in a situation where they were putting themselves at risk um, uh, by going into a Garda station or ringing in. Uh, well, if you're seen going station. into a Garda station, and let's let's bring it down to brass tacks here, if you're seen going into a Garda station in Mayfield or in Ron or anywhere like that, you know, and you're identified by the wrong individual, 
well, we know that things can be put through your front window and people are afraid of that. And they are, they are. And that was the importance of the community guard. Somebody that was, that was local to the area, that had the trust of everybody, that spoke to everybody, um, that you met at social events, whether it was a tea dancer or, you know, for an elderly, an elderly group or you met him at a youth club, you know, he was accessible, he or she was accessible, they were at community meetings and you could talk to them. And that's the importance of, of community policing. And there has been a serious lack of community policing, as you said, um, in, in the city. And we, we are now seeing the fruition of that lack of community policing. We're now seeing the fruition of less, gar- less boots on the ground. And it comes back to the, the same thing over and over again. We have to get more boots on the ground. We have to get a visual presence and we have to rebuild respect for those uh, who have private property that have worked very hard to get their cars and get their and and pay for their wheelie bins and all this sort of stuff. Because when I, a lot of the antisocial complaints I'm getting at the moment is people burning up wheeling bins, uh, cars being broken into, cars being being joyrided now at the moment and that sort of nuisance uh, um, which is very very upsetting for a lot of people. Okay, all right, leave it there that's uh, Councillor Kenneth O'Flynn 185715996 we had, do you remember earlier this year I spoke to a mother it was just about at the start of Covid, a mother came to see us here in the city, in the studio to talk about her own son and the ordeal she was having trying to keep him on the straight and narrow through drugs and drink and joyriding. He was up to joyriding. And she was so nervous about being identified that eventually what happened was Deirdre voiced her answers to my questions. So we played that interview back in like April sometime, I think it was. But it just hasn't gotten any better. Um, I think he may have uh, polished up his act a little bit. We did hear from her. But there's loads of youngsters involved in it. We had one terrible tragedy back in, earlier in the year, Kimberly O'Connor, when she she was di- she died when the car she was in crashed. So listen, and I can remember my father got be good to him when he was based up in Granabrotter Garda Station. Would tell you stories about joyriding that would turn the hairs in your head, and that's not today or yesterday. And it's still going on. 1857 on the phone. There was screaming and shouting last night in Blackpool around half twelve in the morning. Sounded like someone being murdered. Did you ever hear cheetahs fighting on the telly? It sounded like that. There was an interesting webinar that took place yesterday between the Cork Migrant Centre at Nanonagel Place and Cork Chamber and part of their sustainable Cork movement. And they were discussing Black Lives Matter and how government and business can work together with the Black Lives Matter movement going forward. Uh, Part of that webinar was Dr Naomi Machetti, uh, who's a psychologist and a programme coordinator at the Cork Migrant Centre. And she joins me. Uh, Naomi, good morning to you. Uh, Morning. Thank you very much for having me. Good to talk to you. To see Cork Chamber uh, coming on board with Black Lives Matter, is that a big deal? It is a really big deal. And may I just collect there and say the webinar is actually tomorrow. I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. Yeah, it's 11 tomorrow. But yes, to answer to your question, it's a really big deal to get uh, the business community in as allies of the Black Lives Matters because of all that it represents across the group. So yes, it is a big deal. Yeah. Were you surprised that they're interested? 
No, I wasn't because, uh, I mean, to be honest, uh, I think Black Lives Matter has come to present uh, solidarity with fairness and justice and inclusion. And I think anybody who watched the killing of George Floyd, uh, it was a human story. I mean, it touched the core of humanity. It wasn't really about, it was just about fairness and the unfairness of a man pleading for his life for eight, eight minutes, eight, close to nine minutes. And I think it, it evokes something in, in, in all of us. Yeah. And you kind of, we all felt that we have to do something that there needs to be change. Yeah. And we can see this change has gone across the globe. Yeah. And I wish we are not uh, exempt from it. And actually what happened is that uh, we at the Cork Midland Center uh, were kind of listening to our clients. And we were hurting. I mean, I was hurting and we were hurting. Yeah. And, and, and in response to that, we, have, we had a webinar where we had young people, young migrant, black, uh, young professionals uh, come together in a conversation with policymakers and uh, government representatives, like really top level, yeah. including top level uh, representatives from the Gada. And among that panel was the Cockship of Commerce. And so our conversation with the Cockship of Commerce really, so to speak, started in that June webinar. And we are really humbled and, 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 yeah. and excited to see that the conversation is, start, is continuing. Because often you might have a conversation that just starts, that just ends with a webinar, but there is a commitment there to continue the conversation. So tomorrow is a a continuation of that conversation. It's a a major endorsement from the movement, really, from the business business sector, which you'll obviously be delighted with that. Now, you mentioned George Floyd and, and the marches and the movement that followed his death. And anybody who watched that video could not have been but very upset about it to see it. Disgraceful carry on by the, by the police officers who were now before the courts. But the, the marches have stopped, but the movement is still there. It is because, like I said, it has actually taken on a new... Uh, it represents different things to different people. It, it, it really speaks to people who are on the margins. And there is a lot of people that are on the margins. So it's really become about uh, a movement for equality and social justice and really just bridging that gap. So it, it is something that resonates with a lot of people. And, I, and, and actually what it does is that has made everybody look at themselves. We in Ireland and people in different countries are looking at themselves and we find ourselves wanting. And so, yeah, we, we've come, we've seen all the stories that have come on social media, uh, in the press about racism uh, in Ireland, and we see it's live. And obviously we can't ignore it. We have to do something. And it's a huge fight. And it's not just a fight for black people. It's not just a fight for people on the margins. It's a fight for everybody. Yeah. And so it's really exciting to see the business community join in because this is something that we've been fighting with government. I mean, like, we've been approaching government in terms of having conversations on policy. But mm. it's, it's, this is a city. We all live here. There are kids born and brought up here. Yeah. We are walking ahead. America and traditional countries of migration have walked before us. Yeah. We have an opportunity to learn from them. Yes, and, and to to walk in the path that they walked, and to avoid the mistakes that they had. So we don't want a George Floyd killing in Cork. No, 
We don't. And the Chamber of <laughs> Commerce happy. being on board is a massive endorsement. Can I ask you about something, Dr. Machete, yeah. before that? It's been in the newspapers all week. And seeing as you're there, I might ask you about it. You know, the singer Adele, uh, she got yeah. uh, tagged on social media about her, her the Bantu knots in, in her hair yeah. this week. Did you think that the criticism of her was fair? And if you did, why? I, I was on the fence on that one. Mm. <laughs> because I think what it is uh, with the black people, with the history of colonialism, they feel like everything that they own has been taken away from them. Say, for example, in the history books, we read this person discovered that and discovered that. And you're like, no, it was there all along, you know. <laughs> the people who lived there knew it was there. So I think what it is at a deeper level is that kind of ownership of if a black person wears that, then it's untidy or not okay. But if Adele wears it, it's cool. So it's someone else that has taken that concept and, and kind of, um, what can I say, get gotten credit out of it? Yes. So I think it's what, it's what the way people are reading it. People are reading different things from it. But I think it still comes from that history of, um, of, of things being taken away from us. Right, right. Because a lot of people so, looked at it and said the hair looks fabulous. But yeah. then others were saying, yeah, but that's not the kind of hair she should have. So you were on the fence about it. I am on the fence about it because I think it's, what are we talking about multiculturalism? It's about picking and choosing what you want, you know. It's not just about the the, the, the migrants speaking. I, I mean, oh, different people, different uh, black speaking from the white community. I think on that I would say, I, 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 I can understand what people are, are feeling, um, are kind of reacting against, is that concept of you, when I wear the pantone notes, they, they look untidy on me, and um, kind of, they, they, they don't get the credit for it. But because Adele takes it, then that's okay. Then so I think yeah, that's what it is that they are fighting, because it's yet one thing that's been taken away, but it doesn't get as much credit on you as it gets on Adele. But I, I think personally, I, like I said, I'm on the fence. So. Yeah, OK. Listen, thanks very much. Lovely to talk to you. Dr. Naomi uh, Machete um, from the Cork Migrant Centre at Nanonagel Place. A major endorsement of the Black Lives Matter to have a Cork Chamber of Commerce interested in working alongside them. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. Got an interesting message there just before 11 o'clock. Uh, if you have birds nesting or if you've had birds nesting in the fascia and soffit of your house, you might have a way of helping a listener. I had birds in the nest or in the attic in Coogan Towers during the summer um, and it was great fun trying to get rid of them. It was like having the Harlem Gospel Choir by day and river dance by night for about a week and a half until they decided they had done with me and left. So I can imagine how, how you're getting on. We'll try and add to that before the end of the program, see if anybody can help them with that. 1850-715-996, text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. The email is opinion at 96mm.ie. Twitter at opinionline96 with the hashtag, hashtag OL96. And of course, contact us via Facebook with the Cork's 96FM Facebook page. And please, if you think of it, mark your message for the attention of the opinion line. Also, we'll be getting to Dan's uh, query from yesterday with regard to the deaths in the US 
linked to COVID-19 and how the figures are being calculated and how do we apply those to the figures here and is it a worthwhile calculation? Is there anything in it at all? We'll get back to that. But first of all, they're encouraging us big time to take on the flu vaccine this autumn and winter, particularly those of us who've never done it before. People in vulnerable groups are always um, encouraged to take it, the, the flu vaccine, of course. But as we head into the winter, autumn and winter of 2020, the worry is that on top of COVID-19, which will be with us until such time as we can get a vaccine for it, the flu could cause havoc if it too arrives at its usual level uh, into an already pressured healthcare system. As we spoke earlier with Liam from the INMO about the situation in the emergency rooms and if you have the normal level of overcrowding there and you have the normal level of of bed pressure in hospitals, you throw in COVID-19 into the mix and you throw in the flu, well, you're, you're asking for trouble, trouble. And there's a drive on now to get people to get a flu vaccination as they head into autumn and winter. You can get it in the pharmacy. People are being encouraged to come in and make the appointment. Laura Dowling uh, speaks to us on behalf of Lloyd's Pharmacy, otherwise known as the Fabulous Pharmacist. Laura, good morning to you. Good morning, how are you? Good, good, good. Now, a lot of vulnerable people will get the flu vaccine as a matter of course. A lot of healthcare workers get the flu vaccine as a matter of course. But you're anxious that people do, that don't get it would get it. Yeah, we are encouraging uh, everyone to, uh, as many people as possible, to get the, the flu vaccine this year. Because not only, if you get the flu vaccine, not only do you protect yourself, but you protect people around you as well that may not be able to get the flu vaccine, that may be in a vulnerable group or... So you're, it's called herd immunity. So the more people that have the vaccine uh, against the flu, the more people that are protected in the long run. So that's why we are encouraging here at Lloyd's Pharmacy for people to come in and get the flu vaccine as soon as it hits our who, island. Who is eligible? So there are anyone is eligible for the flu vaccine. Uh, however, there are a number of risk groups that would be eligible for free vaccine and that it's actually a huge cohort of people. So anyone over the age of 65, um, our young population between the ages of 2 and 12 can get the nasal vaccine for free. Anyone with an underlying illness, such as a cardiovascular disease, diabetes, uh, anyone that has a BMI, that's a body mass index of over 40, is entitled to get it. Anyone with Down syndrome, any carers out there, anyone that would be in regular contact with someone who... Um, could get very sick from the flu. So if you're visiting your elderly relatives, you should certainly get the flu vaccine and that will entitle you to get it for free as well. If so you have someone in your household people. with reduced immunity, compromised absolutely. immunity? Yeah. yeah, absolutely, yeah. So we're encouraging everyone to get it because obviously I heard you just talking just there about the the effect on the on the healthcare service that COVID, COVID has had and the effect of overcrowding. So if we then have a surge of flu and hospitalizations due to that, it can put unprecedented stress on our healthcare system. So that's why we're encouraging everyone to get the flu vaccine this year. Now, how much does it cost for those of us who wouldn't be eligible to get it for free? So it'll be in around, the, the, the price hasn't been exactly decided yet. It'll probably be in around between 20 and 30 euro. But you'll be surprised the amount of people who actually are eligible to get it for free. So make sure and, and go into your pharmacy and ask them about that. Yeah. Or is, is there somewhere that they can look, Laura? Is there a reference that people can look to to see, well, would they be entitled to get it for free? 
There is, yeah. The HSE website or immunisation.ie uh, as well is, is a good website and it, it can give you all the all the people that will be entitled to it for free as well. Okay. It's a constant problem that the flu comes every autumn and, and every winter. Uh, about how many people uh, will get it in, in the course of any season? So there is, there is um, about 75% of people may get it and they may be asymptomatic. So we don't know exactly how many will get it because if they're asymptomatic, they're not actually displaying it themselves. But the problem is that they can pass that on to other people and those people can be very vulnerable and get, and get very sick with it and, and some people will die. And there are hundreds of deaths every year from it. So that, that's the reason why we're, we're encouraging everyone to get it. Um, just had a caller on the line who said that they just rang their local pharmacy to check is it there and it's not there yet. Is it in no. stock yet? No, no, it's not here yet. We're just encouraging people to make appointments so that when we, we do get it in stock that we will be able to, to manage the appointments uh, correctly and we won't have a you know a surge of people coming into the, to the pharmacies and, and the GP surgeries to, to get it either. So there's been a slight delay in its distribution across Europe but uh, we are expecting it to hit Ireland between mid and late September. So if you get in or phone your pharmacy, even just to get the pharmacy to take down your details and they can ring you then when it is in and make the appropriate appointment for you. Because obviously uh, the pharmacies will have to be, uh, the pharmacists will have to be in PPE, will have to clean the care room before and after each patient yeah. um, due to the whole COVID-19 uh, pandemic, etc. So um, it's just important that we manage it correctly so that we can, we can fulfil the service yeah. It's the best of our abilities and make, keep everyone safe. Do you know the way we're protecting ourselves, or at least those of us who are doing what we're told are protecting ourselves with masks and sanitizer and washing mm-hmm. the hands and keeping the distance? Could that of itself, Laura, help to keep the flu down too? I hope so. And I, you know, I, I, I actually wonder if there will be less people that get it because of this. So will there be less colds and flus? I know certainly um, in the six months of of, of the, the children were out of school. We were there was a lot less prescriptions for, say, antibiotics, etc., because people weren't in contact with each other. And then obviously people are are cleaning their hands more, and and they're li- being a little bit more mindful of hygiene. Yeah. My my children went back to school there the day, and the, the the whole first day was dedicated to how to be clean and keep, keep themselves clean. So, um, yeah, I, I hope so, and it would make sense because colds and flus are transmitted exactly the same way COVID is by mm. respiratory droplets, etc. And, Ke- and Kevin is pointing to Australia which has had a very mild problem with flu this the, in their season has been less prevalent yeah. than normal and that's because of probably the, the their thinking down to the COVID measures. Yes, probably. And then also the encouragement of people getting the flu vaccine as well will, will also bring it down. So sure. I think you have to look at, you know, all the measures that we're doing in order to keep the, the transmission rate down. Okay. Here's an interesting one. Um, in relation to the content of the actual vaccine, the the, the liquid mm-hmm. that's in the in the in the vial, as it were, is that okay for someone who has an egg allergy? Is there albumin in it? So they are. It is made with hen's eggs. So you can, but there is there will be a vaccine available in GP surgeries for people that will be that are allergic to eggs. So you can discuss that with your GP if you are worried about something like that. Okay, so there is a version of it that a person with an allergy like that, like, like that yeah. can have. That's great. So not in stock yet, but call your local pharmacy, make your appointment, and if you haven't gotten it before, get it this year. Yeah, you should. And then obviously they're encouraging children, all children aged 2 to 12, to get the nasal vaccine, which is really significant this year that we have the nasal vaccine for children. So, you know, obviously you're not pricking them with a, with a needle, which will make it easier. 
um, it, just one dose into each nostril should um, should make it a little bit easier for the children. Maybe the second dose won't be as easy as the first. <laughs> you know, once mm-hmm. they get the first sniff up the nose, they may uh, they may it may be a little bit awkward to get the second one up. But um, mm-hmm. we, we'll do a little bit of role play, and everyone will be, be nice and be patient with it, with okay. the children. But certainly we should get it because that's how you know it can spread too with children. And children would be an at risk category as well. So it's really important to pop into your local Lloyd's pharmacy to to get it. Okay, all right. Listen, Laura, thank you for that, Laura Dowling. Uh, on behalf of Lloyd's Pharmacy. It is coming up to that time of the year. I've never had it before because my health is generally quite good. I will be getting it this year, not so much to protect me, but to protect those around me who who might be vulnerable. Uh, I certainly will be getting it this year. Um, whether or not I have to pay for it, I don't know. I don't care, really. For the sake of the 20 or 30 quid, I think I might as well get it. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Ring, ring your pharmacy. Ask them one that have us. If you have a problem with allergies, ring your GP, and they'll try and sort that out for you. The opinion line on Corks ninety six FM with the indoor self service laundrette now at the Junction Vickers Road. Open every day to save you time and money. Self service laundry ie. It's really hard to describe the show. It's a bit of crack. It's a bit of a laugh on a Saturday. Yeah, that's what, that's it. Four hours straight, no stop, no break. There's lots of showbiz news. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of just laugh at celebrities doing stupid things. <laughs> <laughs> so good! Lorraine and Demi. Lorraine and Demi. Live. Why would a person want to listen to our show? Because I'm here. I mean, why would a person want to listen don't, to our show? Don't do that! <laughs> Lorraine and Demi live Saturdays 2 to 6 p.m. on the best music made Corks 96 FM Corks 96 FM So yesterday Dan contacted us and we read out his message towards the end of the show and we said we'd go away and we'd find out could, was there anything to it He said have we covered the American Center for Disease Control issuing clarification last week regarding the 180,000 deaths in the US linked to COVID-19. It said 6% of those deaths, under 10,000, was attributable solely to COVID. The other 84% had an average of 2.4 other comorbidities, underlying conditions. The implication of that is very profound, says Dan. In the US, COVID-19 has killed less than 10,000 people that we can definitely identify. The equivalent here is between 60 and 110 people. Caller says this is astounding news. Dan says, surely this is a game changer as regards how the government is tackling it. But says the media aren't interested. Well, we are. And we said we'd check it out. The American Center for Disease Control said that the number of people who died solely because of COVID-19 was only about 6%. The rest all had some or more comorbidity or underlying condition. Is it a valid analysis? Let's go to uh, UCC, to their School of Epidemiology and Public Health and talk to Zubair Kabir, Dr. Zubair Kabir, to see can we get any clarification on this. Dr. Kabir, good morning to you. Good morning, Peter. Good to talk to you. The analysis of the Centre for Disease Control, and look, let's face it, they're a large organisation worthy of respect, that only 6% of deaths were solely attributable to COVID-19. Is that any any reassurance for the rest of us? Uh, Thanks, uh, uh, Peter, for for this uh, uh, narrative. I think it's a ridiculous, dangerous narrative. Uh, 
and to understand the numbers, uh, you, you need an expert, like like an epidemiologist. You know, there are many things going behind the numbers. So you, if you look at the CDC report in detail, you know, you can't just uh, uh, pick things out of the context. So you have to you have to take everything in context. So the numbers are uh, ridiculous, and it's, it has been misinterpreted by the media. You know, there are conspiracy theories. So to make things uh, quite clear, you know, those are all uh, COVID-related deaths, mm. 180,000, okay? So when someone uh, is certified as a death, and, and you should be aware of the fact that there's a lag period when someone dies and you get a death certificate. So the collection of data, the data sources, and the data reporting are equally important before you analyze the data and try to interpret the data. Right. So, as and the theory behind the causal uh, mechanism, which is quite complex in epidemiology, it's very difficult to dis- disentangle what are the uh, agents causing a disease. Earlier in the 60s, we used to have single agent, single disease. That theory is, is, is no more applicable. So a disease can have multiple causes. Mm. So the so the pathway uh, of, of 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 a disease causing death is quite complex. So it cannot be related to single cause. So it's a multi-component pathway. So there are models around this. So someone can die from COVID-19 uh, because of more than one uh, mechanisms. So mm-hmm. you may have uh, COVID uh, infected with the virus, but at the same time. You may be old, you may be a smoker, you may be obese. So when there's a chain of events, if you look at the death cert, uh, I'm sure uh, someone who has gone through this strategy might have filled in the death cert in Ireland and elsewhere. So it is certified by a trained physician normally or through a coroner's inquest. So in the death cert, if you see, because the data they collect, CDC in particular, is from the vital registration office. So there's a lag period. So whoever has certified the death has to have a clinical experience in that particular disease. There are two steps. One is the part A and the part B. So what is the immediate cause of death? Yes. So most so, and what is the underlying cause of death? So on the death cert, if you have collected data from the death cert, it cannot just find a COVID. It may be an immediate cause, but may not be the underlying cause. So you'll have more than one underlying causes on the death cert. So you may have smoking, you may have obesity, as well as uh, respiratory failure and COVID. Yes. So it's a chain of events. So you have to uh, take everything in context before okay. certifying someone to have died of death. So if you, let, let, us, let us bring it down to a very simple example, if we might, uh, Dr. Sure. Kabir. So somebody has cancer, okay? And they're undergoing yeah. cancer treatment. And unfortunately, the cancer is deemed to be life-threatening or possibly terminal. Yeah. And, and they're going through their treatment. And they get COVID-19. Right. Now, they then die. How do we ascertain whether their death was part of their cancer 
or part of COVID-19 or does it actually matter at all? It does matter, you know, because you have to certify the death and you have to find out the chain of events which led to the death. So this person uh, had cancer, terminal ill patient, okay? And then she was unfortunately infected with the COVID virus. So that might have exacerbated his 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 uh, condition. Yes. So instead of living another five more years, it was cut short. Yes. So the underlying cause is always cancer, in addition to other to his uh, to COVID infection. So on the death side, you'll see the immediate cause uh, may be COVID, but the underlying cause will be cancer. Right. Right. So COVID would be listed on a death cert as a partial cause of death or? But if there are no comorbid conditions, but in this case, it will be the underlying cause would be cancer. Would be cancer. Yes. But would COVID be listed on the death cert? Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 exactly. So that's what happened in the CDC. So, uh, so when you look at the table three, that uh, which is the complex <laughs> table, and, and the journalist and the social media picked up that one liner, you know. So, they, so, so they, they looked. Look at they it. looked at the people for whom COVID was the only cause of death on the death cert, and they figured, well, those people are very rare, and and they made an assumption based on that. And it's exactly. oh, you're saying it's a wrong assumption. Absolutely, it's misleading, very misleading, and it's dangerous as well. You see, so because it gives a false sense of assurance, you know, so COVID is not serious, you know, we need to relax all the restrictions. So it sends out a very wrong signal uh, to the general public. So, so it's doing more damage than, than, than good to, 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 to public health and wider community. Yeah. yeah. Again, people have jumped on this and, and, and run with it, but it's, it's very false. And like you said, it's dangerous. Mervyn on Twitter makes a comparison and also I'm thankful to Owen for his text comparison. People can have HIV for years uh, and but in the end they may die of something related to their HIV that didn't die of their HIV. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. So 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 the the, the underlying cause would be HIV. Okay. So and if uh, the person was infected uh, with COVID, so that would be the immediate cause. Uh, but COVID will be listed on 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 the on the chain of events. So, so HIV would be there in in, in uh, item number one on the death chart, and that will be, and then COVID will be there item number B, and then finally the uh, the person might have died of respiratory failure or you know some 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 mm. opportunity infection. So all these things. That, so the point I'm trying to make it clear. In addition to COVID, there will be more than one condition mentioned on the death cert. Yes. So it's, it's very unlikely that someone who only dies of COVID, so that can happen to a child or a young person uh, who just got infected with COVID and, and then suddenly has to be admitted uh, uh, into ICU on a ventilator uh, and, so, and, and died. So, so the immediate cause would be respiratory failure in that case. Mm. But respiratory fatal is a downstream consequence of 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 COVID. Yes. So the underlying cause is COVID. Yes. Okay. Um. In terms of the, the, the people who died that already had um, serious vulnerability, 
underlying conditions. There was a rather disturbing observation by a British politician very early on in this that, and I quote him, many of those people were probably going to die anyway. I thought that was one of the cruelest things I heard in the course of this pandemic. COVID has robbed from people, you know, it might have been a limited life, but it was a life. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, exactly. So, uh, that's kind of, well, uh, death is an absolute certainty. We know we'll, uh, we'll die one day or not. If you smoke today, uh, you'll have a premature death, but you're going to die, but you'll be having a premature death. So your life expectancy will be reduced by uh, 10 years or more. So, so you are dying earlier. You see, so, so, so obviously, uh, if you have COVID uh, on top of being, uh, having other comorbid conditions, so it, it, Fastens, you know, it's like it's called harvesting, you know, like so you are exposed to poor air quality, so naturally, and you are uh, asthmatic at the same time. So instead of living some 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 ten more quality lives, you know, you you just tend to pass away. Yeah. So so. It was, a, it was a very cruel thing to say. Dr. Zubair, or Kabir, thank you very much for your time this morning. I, I do appreciate it. That's Dr. Zubair Kabir from well, the... Well thank you. Cheers. The Department of epidemiology and public health at UCC. So this figure that has been bandied about being credited to the Centre for Disease Control in the United States, which says that only 6% of death is caused solely by COVID. Well, that's, yes, it's a correct figure, but it's the wrong use of the figure. It's the incorrect use of the figure is what the doctor is saying. And it's a dangerous misuse of the figure, is what the doctor is saying. It's being, mis- it's being misinterpreted in a dangerous way. Dan, you've listened to the good doctor explaining that it's wrong to interpret the figure that way. Good morning, sir. How are you keeping? What do you think? What do I think? Well, uh, we, if we stand back and listen to what has been said in the conversation, we ought to be quite alarmed where we have... Uh, somebody who's highly qualified in epidemiology, say that the CD figures are, quote, ridiculous, dangerous, and misleading. The he figures. said the interpretation no, of No, 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 no. You go back to the, to the start of, of your recording, and the very first thing that the doctor, the epidemiologist, said that the CD figures, C, CDC figures from the United States are ridiculous. No, he didn't say this at all, Dan. He said the interpretation and of them was ridiculous. And you, at the end of your interview with the, with the good gentleman, said that they said used the words fake and dangerous, okay? So, uh, a question for you, PJ, and for uh, 96FM and media moguls in general, right? Do you accept that the CDC figures, as presented by the CDC, are within reasonable accuracy? It's an accurate figure, yes. It's the so interpretation it. is the issue. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on here, right? There was a gentleman come on there, and, you know, he was a highly qualified epidemiologist, and he he swept the floor of everybody other than epidemiologists and, like, as being capable of having any idea as to what the figures mean, right? No, he didn't, actually, Dan. He, he went ex- through... Listen a minute now. He went through the figures. He went through the figures. He went... The sixth... The sixth... No, no, let me... Let, let me, let me let me, because I listened to the man very carefully. He didn't say the figure was inaccurate. He said that is the figure attributed to people who died only 
with COVID-19 that didn't have anything else going on, as it were. No, That's PJ. just 6%. No, no, but to use that... PJ, yes. no, no. He said the 6,000, under 7,000 people deaths reported by the CDC, there was under 7,000 people who died from COVID-19. Solely from with. COVID-19, yeah. Yes, you said there a moment ago that he said that they were solely with COVID-19. So please get your... Uh, now, you see, now, 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 Dan, we're getting right. into one of the trope discussions here, the from and with argument. Yes. So Where, the if, if the only thing you had was COVID-19, you didn't have anything else, from or with doesn't matter, of course. Of course you had it, it you yeah. had nothing else and you died of it. You died from, from COVID-19. Yes. Okay? Yes. So there's 160-odd thousand people who died in the United States in more or less the first eight months of yes. this year. Yes. Of which 164,000 of those, or about 164,000 of those, uh, on their death set, the word of the phrase COVID-19 is mentioned. Correct. Right. Now, the, the epidemiologist is correct in saying that on a, on a typical death set, and they do vary around the world, but there, there's like there, there can be three words or phrases used to indicate what the person who died, what they were suffering with, okay? And usually the third one, the final one, would be what would be recognized as the underlying, as the gentleman you spoke to there, as the underlying cause of death. Yes. Okay? So, if there's an underlying cause of death that is accelerated because somebody gets pneumonia or upper respiratory tract or uh, COVID-19. Or COVID-19, which is apparently an upper respiratory tract infection, right? Uh, the underlying cause would still be, let's say, pleurisy or lung cancer or mm-hmm. some other... Exacerbated and accelerated by COVID-19. Absolutely, PJ. So Absolutely. what is your point, Dan? The, the point... Okay, you didn't, you didn't ask your interviewer what was his point, right? Because you're, you're attempting to reduce any other point of view down to the infant No, and no. I mean, I'm interested so, in the interpretation of data. Yes, well... And we, your interpretation of it is what? We've already established with your interview that uh, any attempt to interpret data other than by a highly qualified epidemiologist... Well, what are your qualifications, Dan? I'm a, a man with common sense, I'd like... And what's your qualifications? I'm a man with common sense. Okay, and, and what does right. the data say to you, Dan? The, the data without interpretation, which is the problem for a lot of people, PJ, including yourself, is that the, the data, let's say, and that's the first question... Well, first of all, I don't presume to interpret data because I'm not qualified yes. in that regard. Yes. I ask people so, who are. Right. So the, the question, like, this is common sense which may not be so common anymore, and my common sense may not be that effective either, right? Common sense says, you know, uh, 10,000 people died from car accidents in the last 10 years. Okay. Now, we can bring on people from the RSA and the Garda Shikana and the ambulance and the fire brigade and everything, and they can go into the minutiae of how uh, a cohort of people died in car accidents in Ireland over the last 10 years, and they can say, well... You know, a certain number of them died because their neck was broken and a certain number died because they had arterial bleeding and a certain number died from suffocation and drowning and all that kind of stuff. And, and you can't really take the overall figure unless you really understand the minutiae of the, of the thing, right? And that's where the, the cult 
and the danger of the exports comes in. I'm, I'm, so, I'm, I'm struggling to get to the point you're making, Dan, here. The point I'm making is that we accepted, the first question I asked you, Peter, was do you accept the CDC figures as being reasonably accurate and you kind of fumbled on it. No, I didn't answer. fumble. I gave you a very, very clear, a very, 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 very clear answer. That is a figure in a yeah. set of figures. What has happened yeah. is it has been run with it in a way it shouldn't been. have. And as, as you said, and you used a very interesting quote, PJ, you, you said it has sent, quote, wrong signals to the public. Okay? To some of the public who pick up on it. No, yeah. no, you said to the public. Right. Okay, okay. Let, okay let, let's 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 look at something. Okay, if there's someone listening here, right, yes. to this program right now, who has something like diabetes, or COPD, or any one of a number of underlying conditions, like, and is it very fair of you to say that sure they were going to die anyway? Like, if they get I, if they get COVID, they're going to be in trouble. PJ, did I say that? You didn't say that in any way, no, but, but you still you, haven't. You, you still you still no, haven't no, no, made the point. On, You're still not. I'm still not getting your point. Like, hold on a moment, PJ. You've now attempted to put a very serious set of words into my mouth that I did. Do you know why I'm doing that, Dan? Do you know why I'm doing that? Because I'm I'm, I'm six and a half minutes trying to get to your point, and you're not making it. Right. I'm. I'm. And. In response to that, you put words into my mouth that, as you said... Well, maybe maybe if I put something into your mouth that you didn't want to say, you might tell us what you do want to say, because I'm struggling (laughs) to get to it. We need to go back to basics. You accept the CDC figures as being reasonably accurate. I do, but I'm trying to know why... I'm trying trying to know why you make such... I'm trying to to get to your point, Dan. PJ, if you and I were sitting down having a cup of coffee... And somebody were looking at us every saying, gee, that fucking PJ fellow, would he ever shut his mouth and, and have a normal conversation? Can right. we get to the point you ask, right, you're you trying to me, make? You ask, you ask me a question, and I'm answering the question. Well, sorry, I'm attempting to answer the question, right? We established one thing, that the figures are reasonably accurate. We accept them as being accurate. The figures from the United States suggest, they don't suggest, they say that there's under 7,000 people, according to the American CDC, have died from COVID only, only COVID, right? Okay, we accept that. We do accept that, by the way. Right. Now, my understanding is that worldwide, the the way of testing is more or less the same, and worldwide way of reporting deaths, which was dramatically altered last March and April around the world, the changes are more or less the same. Now, I would wish to correct the gentleman you spoke a while ago. It is not a case and it is not the practice for the last five or six months in the Western worlds, whereby death certificates are only filled in by qualified people who have a lot of training in filling in death certs, right? The fact of the matter is that it, there was two major changes made to death certs filling in last March, April, by the WHO, the mm-hmm. issued an edict, and by the CDC, and was accepted apparently yeah. pretty well around the world. Right, right, the first right. one was that if if there's any symptom whatsoever of COVID-19 or coronavirus SARS-2, you put that down on that death cell as the cause of death, COVID-19. That's the first major change. Prior to that, for decades, it, there was a well-established protocol in all of the Western world as to how um, death cells were to be filled out. Right. This this overriding command was issued to the Western world. Who issued it? The WHO issued it. Can you show right. me where that's written down? 
I can't drive because I'm sitting in a car here and can't wait for my daughter to come back after collecting a driving license, right? right? Mm-hmm. I can't, right? So you can rubbish all I say. And all I'm not rubbishing. Stuff. I ask you. To, no, I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I, I, but I'm still, with respect, Dan, you still haven't gotten to your point. You seized upon... And it is. that I, I, Okay, you asked me, do I believe that figure from the CDC? Is it, is it a valid figure? It is a valid figure. I'm saying the interpretation of it, the doctor said, not me, the, the doctor said the interpretation of okay. it is unfair. Right. The, the interpretation we, we have for decades, PJ, and we have a very, I would accept or I would claim, we have a very proud tradition in Ireland of uh, robust debate and fair representation of the facts by the media. Uh, that has been dramatically altered in recent times to the extent, and this is extremely central to the question you asked me and to our conversation and the, that you had with the previous gentleman as well, and with all conversations over the last six months, blankets, 24-7 conversations about COVID-19 on the media, Irish and more or less around the world. And it's this, that... The element of robust debate that you and I are now attempting to have, mm-hmm. both of us, right? We're, we're both struggling. We're trying to, to have for what each of us is a satisfactory conversation. I accept that. But that's part of being a robust conversation. Fair enough. You're well used to, and I've admired you for years, of, of kind of prodding an interviewee to kind of see where they're coming from. Do they know what yeah. they're talking about? Right? You didn't prod the, the epidemiologist at all. You completely and utterly put a question to him and said, yeah, put another question, yeah, put another question, yeah, put another question, yeah. That's how you how you dealt with... Uh, well, I didn't, actually. I didn't. Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I asked him how the 6% was being interpreted. Now, how do you interpret the 6%? Right, so the media... We're, we're on the media. Not talking about the media, talking about Dan. How does yeah. Dan interpret the 6%? What does it mean uh, to Dan? What the, the great news about it is, from my understanding, PJ, right, is that for whatever set of reasons, the interpretation that the media has put on COVID-19 deaths is likely to be exaggerated on the higher extent rather than exaggerated on minimizing it. Okay, now, just bear with me, right? Partly that's a natural uh, um, phenomenon associated, associated with the media because human beings in the main, we're drawn more to fire, accidents, stories that have death in them and threats and all that kind of stuff than stories about somebody helping somebody with shopping or that kind of stuff, right? We like the drama and the media feeds on that and it gets more advertising because more listeners listen to more drama and the regular thing on the, on the news for the last five or six months about the daily death toll is and the daily cases is, that all is deeply entrancing. And I had to pull back from it four months ago last April because I was getting, I found myself, I was getting very stressed every okay. day listening to it. Now, you know what? I appreciate uh, that because so many, yeah. but again, come back to, because you haven't answered it. What, what does the 6% tell you? Do I the media? Do I then? What does it yeah. tell you? I just did answer it, right? You didn't. Uh, you, you, you went on about the what? media. What does it tell you? And from that, the likelihood is that the number of people who have died from COVID-19 is uh, about 6% of the total okay. of people who have died in anything associated with it. 
that figure, if it is correct, and I accept you accept that, that that figure, without any interpretation, is accurate. Okay? Yes? The 6%, yes. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, I accept that United, figure, yes. And in the United States, that's under 7,000. No. Okay. I attempted, uh, not being a mathematician or an epidemiologist, I attempted to say, well, how... If those figures, given that the, the the testing and reporting and debt stops filling in are, are similar uh, broadly in the U.S. and Ireland and the west of the rest of of Western world, how would those figures extrapolate down to the Irish figures? Okay, mm-hmm. and this isn't interpretation. This is just simple mathematics. Simple maths, I, yeah. I, extrapolation, I, I, they call it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's the word I use. I, I, may, I may not, I'm not a mathematician. So my, my extrapolation suggests that if the corresponding figures are similar for the Irish debts yes. and Irish cases, that in Ireland, something between 60 and 110, 120 people have died from okay. COVID-19. And nothing okay. else. And nothing else. Okay. No. Now, you then said that's a game changer. Why? Because we we have been stuck on this figure of 1,777. Maybe it has gone up one in the last day or two. I don't know. But we've, this is an interesting figure, 1,777. Uh, that's the number of, quote, COVID-19 deaths that the media mm. is reporting mm. in Ireland. Now, okay? each, we, you would accept... And just to, you would accept that each one of those 1,777 is a real person, would you? With well, a real family. Okay. Well, absolutely, yeah. And would you accept that the majority of those 1,777, I'm not saying would be, but may well be still alive, even if they're sick, may well be still alive if it wasn't for COVID-19? I can't tell you that, and I'm not being anywhere hesitant about it, PJ, because we're, like, this is going back now to your earlier interviewee, right, the epidemiologist gentleman, right, who, whom I, I respect, and I, I'm not in any way kowtowing what he said about actual actual facts, right? I have no idea if somebody last April died, and on the death cert it says COVID-19, I have no idea, and neither have you, that that person would have six months, six years, six days, Correct. six minutes to live. Correct, but they were entitled to every last bit of it. They were entitled to every last bit of it, okay. And they got this virus and it hastened their death. Uh, it was one of a number of comorbidities yes. that, would have, been, that would have been listed. It, yes, okay. and it hastened their death. Uh, the comorbidities may or may not hasten somebody's death, okay. You could have, like, uh, in the U.S., the 94% of people who didn't die from COVID-19, 94%, that's 160,000 of the 170,000 people who reported died, you know, COVID-19 deaths. Over 160,000 of those, PJ, uh, had an average of 2.4 yeah. other... Yeah, I get that. Do you accept that their death is as important as anybody else's? Like, what, what are you talking about? Because you still, Dan, you still haven't made your point. I've been with you for 15 minutes. You still haven't made your point. You said the 6% is a game changer, but you haven't told me why. Because instead of 170,000 people in the United States being COVID deaths, instead of 1,777 people in Ireland being COVID deaths, the actual... They're COVID-related deaths. 
the actual nails down number of of COVID-19 from deaths in the United States is under 7,000 and extrapolating out in Ireland that number would be something between 60 okay. and 120. So let's 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 make let's make finally let's make two categories. Let's make COVID only deaths and COVID related deaths. Yes. Which is a less important death? I know that's a very disingenuous question. That's the, that's what you're saying that for some reason the bigger the, the, for some for some reason Anything outside the six percent isn't quite as important. No, like, but like, say, some people can't stand the idea of an, an, an analogy. Okay, but you're being a presenter; you're intellectually astute enough to be able to bring up an analogy whenever you want, right? So, if we are, if we talk about the last one thousand road deaths, oh, we've okay. been to the road; we've done the road deaths one, Dan. Yeah, okay. So you don't like that analogy because it's difficult for you. It made no sense. Right? I, Please I don't patronize you. It made no sense. It made no sense. That's fair enough, right? So, they died in a road crash. It doesn't matter whether 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 they had a heart injury or whether they had a head injury. They died as a result of a road crash. And if they had COVID nineteen on top of something else, it was a COVID related death. That then you wanted to discuss it. Happy to have done so. Listeners will decide. Listeners will decide. Thanks, Dan. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Junction, Vickers Road, Supermarket, Solid Fuel Depot and a self-service laundrette. Your one stop for everything. The Cork's 96FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100-euro shopping voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Join the Quartz 96 FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. Listen and win with Casey and Ross in the morning and the Irish Heart Foundation on Cork's 96FM. This September, for Heart Month, the Irish Heart Foundation is calling on you to escape your chair. Take on the challenge by getting up and moving for a minute each hour during the day. See escapeyourchair.ie. To help you, we're giving away a Fitbit every day, plus an overall prize of a two-night stay for two sharing at the Intercontinental Dublin Balls Bridge, part of the MHL Hotel Collection with breakfast each day and dinner on one night. Listen to Casey and Ross in the morning, weekdays from 6am to win with the Irish Heart Foundation. Only on Cork's 96FM. Okay, where are we going? Line four, Michael. You were listening to Dan. Did you make sense of it? Uh, No, I was a bit confused, PJ. Yeah. What what point Um, did you want to make? Yeah, he he made a point earlier on, or he started to make a point, I don't know if he finished it, about people in car crashes, um, saying that there's different ways to die in a car crash, about breaking your neck or mm. something happening in your heart or whatever. And I, I was just wondering, was he, was he suggesting if that's the case, that somebody doesn't die in a car crash, they die of a broken neck? That that's kind of what he's saying, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he kind of just wasn't making sense. Um... But yeah, which was, I mean, and I, I completely understood what you're saying. Of course, if COVID didn't happen, there's a high chance that all these people would have not died. Yeah. Or they might or have lived for six months or six years. Or as somebody yeah. said in a message there, they may well have had a nice funeral, a proper funeral that they were entitled well, to. Go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this dying from COVID or with COVID is 
kind of silly talk, I think. I mean, at the end of the day, it's COVID that probably took their lives. Yeah, or hastened because, the end of their lives. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was a strange conversation, to be honest. Yeah. I, I still don't know the point he was making. He was saying the 6% is a game changer, but he couldn't explain yeah. why. Yeah, well, I think what he was trying to say is that if it's 6%, it's only 6% of 1,777 people died of COVID. And solely of COVID. Yeah, yeah, which is... Which is... Probably, okay, in that statistical... He's probably right. But I'm just wondering what his point was making, what it demonstrated. And then, yeah, then, yeah. That, that's, that's the only uh, bit I couldn't get to. What does it actually demonstrate? I think what he was trying to say is that the media are trying to blow it all out of proportion, which is just, it's, it's something people just seem to like to do. It's just media bash for some strange reason. <laughs> you want to be sitting here listening to it, Michael? Yeah, <laughs> uh, our mainstream media like to, like to call ah, it. Yeah. Ah, yeah, ah, yeah, yeah, I know, it's I know. Just, uh, I mean, these people need to realise it's the mainstream media that kept us going during the, the pandemic. Yeah. Well, well, kind of you to say so, and thank you, Michael. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. As far as I'm concerned, a death is a death, and if the person died, and and COVID was found in their system, there's a very good possibility that COVID hastened their death. And if they only had three years left, or two years left, or three months left, or two months left, they were entitled to it, and they were entitled to the proper loving funeral of a loving family. Afterwards, Georgina said Dan should be a politician. Carla says you must be short to people to put on the radio. Well, you'd be accused of not discussing it if you don't do it. Dear God, I'm losing the will to live here. If I tune in tomorrow, do you think he'll get to his point by then? Councillor John Maher has diabetes. He's one of the young people with an underlying condition. He nearly drove the car off the road listening to Dan, but he'll come on tomorrow about it. And Jason says the CDC is estimating flu caused 34,000 deaths in the last year. And do we, we don't go around wearing masks for that. We've also had a vaccine for many years for flu, but the chances are it's not going to be the end of it. It'll mutate and we need new vaccines every year. And even people vaccinated up to date will get it and many people won't get it. The bottom line is we have to learn to live with it. And that means a bit more hygiene. But we can't do masks and so on for years or forever. Well, Jason, until such time as we get a vaccine for COVID, and I'm very confident, reading the science, I'm very confident we'll get a, 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 a vaccine for COVID, and then we can take it, the most vulnerable can take it first, and then the rest of us, then we do have to do this, to protect the vulnerable. Not ourselves, but those who might, whose death, or whose, who might suffer a serious illness. Thanks, lads. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Fergal and Deirdre. Thank you for putting up with that. Back in the morning, just after nine. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.